This morning, news broke that the guy in Portland who was accused of killing the Trump supporter was caught. Uh, I should say that they were trying to catch him. They, they found out where he was. A warrant had been issued. And when they went to stop him, they, they say, according to a statement from Bill Barr, he, he pulled a gun or he went for a gun and then he got shot and killed. Now, activists and far leftists are saying something totally different. They said that he was leaving his home when he started getting shot at or something. I, I kid you not. They actually have this, uh, this, this, this post going around where they're claiming that he was in his car. He went to his car. They started shooting at him. So he tried fleeing and then they just, you know, finished him off. And they're actually arguing that it was an execution. This is worrying to me because, of course, we were going to see the narrative go the other direction. They're now saying the right is defending Kyle Rittenhouse and he was an extremist and their guy was acting in self-defense. I think anyone objectively trying to look at the facts to figure out what's going on would determine that is not the case. But something different happened later in the day. Well, actually, this was the last night, but the story picked up this morning. A new narrative emerged that Donald Trump had called a bunch of World War I soldiers losers and suckers. And it was just cartoonishly bad, in my opinion, like just like a caricature of evil. So then I, 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 you know, I was thinking about it and I decided or I, I came upon this realization that the goal was to shift the narrative off of what was going on with violent riots, the burning of you know, buildings. And they wanted to change the change the news cycle because Trump was winning and Joe Biden was desperate. Now, Joe Biden's in front of the cycle and Donald Trump is on the defensive. And this is a big mistake. So we need to have a real conversation about what's going on with corporate media and how they've immediately jumped to attention to give Joe Biden everything he needs. Even Facebook is coming out on the side of the left wing narrative about mail in voting. So I decided I got to bring in somebody who's got a good, you know, good insight into the media. So joining me today is Michael Malice. And you can tell by the very poorly adorned helicopter hat. He must he must be a smart fella. I'm not a dunce cap, is it? No, no you're not. right. That's true. Good and point. and what what is the point of the hat? I'm, I'm, no, I, you I don't, told me I have to bring a beanie. No, 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 no. I don't mean for you. I appreciate it. I'm just wondering, like, when did they decide to put propellers on hats and why? It took two of my fans to construct this, and there was next day air involved. Wow. Yeah. That's no, the dear readers don't mess around. Man, I love <laughs> it. You're wearing. You have to wear it over the headphones because of, it has repellers. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for ruining any, the bit. Any, any, <laughs> ruining the bit. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> anyway. I fix it. So uh, we actually have a bunch of stories to talk about. There's there's a bunch of you know typical uh, weird intersectional cult stuff, but a lot of media stuff that's really interesting. And as as silly as this man is is showing us to be, he appears to be. <laughs> he appears to be. He's actually got. Uh, uh, you, you, you had a bunch of interesting stuff. You were telling us about like the history of the Atlantic so and, it, and, and World War One stuff. So we'll, we'll, we'll jump into it. Sure. If you want to just you know lightly mention something, I, I don't want you to because you mentioned you're going to go off on this huge history lesson. Yeah, there is a lot to unpack behind this story, which I'm sure the writers from the Atlantic are very aware of, even though they would never cop to it publicly. Really? Basically, you're saying like the Atlantic is a bunch of Nazis. No, no, but the Atlantic certainly paved the way for Nazism in really? very many ways. Yes, it's, it's, it's very demonstrable like Walter wow. and, and, and indisputable. Yeah. All right. Well, let's we'll, we'll we'll jump right into it. We got some other stories we might get to, you know, oh, Joe Biden. What a silly, silly thing. Huh? So if you haven't already smash that like button and it is your duty to make sure everybody smashes that like button. To help Do it out for the show. Michael's hat. Do it for Michael's hat. Yeah, man. His That's hat awesome. is there to remind you to smash that like button. <laughs> And uh, uh, hop in the Super Chats, because around 9.30 or so, we'll start taking questions and talking to everybody. We do the show Monday through Friday live at 8 p.m. And uh, let's just talk about this first story. Let's jump right in. Most of you have probably seen this, so I'll just give you some quick context. The Atlantic. Trump, Americans who died in war are losers and suckers. 
The president has repeatedly disparaged the intelligence of service members and asked that wounded veterans be kept out of military parades. Multiple sources tell the Atlantic. Now, for me, I just call complete BS because it's too cartoonishly evil. Like the writers, whatever the smear is, and they didn't do a good job of making something plausible. There, there's no possibility in my mind that a president wouldn't, or Trump specifically, wouldn't want disabled veterans front and center because they're the best example of, look, they lost they, this, how much they sacrificed. Take a picture with me. I'm the commander in chief. This is an opportunity for them to look great with, with the, the populace. So that part, I think, is just absolutely ridiculous. Not, not only that, but didn't at the RNC, they had a bunch of wounded vets stand? At the State of the Union, he had that North Korean refugee who yeah. had his leg yeah. run over by a railroad and he stood up and held his uh, crutch. Wow. Up, up, that was a very powerful image, and Trump pointed him and applauded. This is cartoonishly evil. I, well, I, as someone who's an actual comic book supervillain, like, oh, yeah. you know, this, <laughs> uh, there's been a comic book written about me. This is something that I kind of aspire to in a sense. But <laughs> it, it, the, the Atlantic has been a very malignant um, organization, an outlet for over a century at this point. Really? So, oh, yeah. So a lot of people don't realize the history of the Atlantic. And, and should I get into it now? Because let's, let's, do, let's do one more paragraph. Yeah, 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 please. So please. people, and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So they go on to say that Trump, uh, in the first paragraph, they say Trump canceled a visit to the Ain Marne American Cemetery in Paris. He blamed rain for the last minute decision, saying the helicopter couldn't fly. They go on to say neither claim was true. Now, I, I got to point out, Jason Leopold from BuzzFeed has the FOIA request from the Navy. They've got numerous communications saying the ceiling's too low, visibility's too low. We're not going to be able to do this. And John Bolton, in his memoir, also independently right. described this event. And John Bolton, his memoir, was out to, to, at the very least, not be flattering to Trump. And he describes in the, the circumstance of this event exactly as President Trump later claimed the circumstances were. So you have independent, like six months ago, three months ago, corroboration of Trump's version of the events. When I saw, and you would think, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but you would think they would mention Bolton's you would, Oh, right, right, right. right. Yeah. Unless, unless the intention was to be so cartoonishly bad, right. every conservative would be like, it's so obviously fake that it's, it's, you know, they're dangling keys in front of a baby and the conservatives ran right to it. And the narrative of the violent riots and all the chaos in the streets and the Antifa killer is gone. Yeah, there's I, there's enormous wing of conservatism, which I have very mixed feelings about, whose entire modus operandi is freaking out over whatever it is the, the, the liberals yeah. are doing today. And it does an enormous disservice because, you know, like you're saying, it's a very easy bait and switch. Like, which of these two things are in the grand scheme of things a bigger issue? That people are getting killed by the police, rightly or wrongly, that chaos is descending, rightly or wrongly. Or the president two years ago said a nasty comment. Said naughty words. In, in the context of this presidency where, I mean, the number of nasty comments that he said has been innumerable and will be uh, yeah. in history books one day, hopefully. And, and this is probably like, these are maybe actually not even the worst things he's ever said. Of course. I mean, we were, this is what they did very cleverly in this is that everyone very vividly remembers in 2015 when he was referring to John McCain. I, I was on, on Gutfeld's show that day referring to John McCain's military service. And he's like, eh, I like the ones who didn't get captured. Right. And everyone thought, OK, this is the end of the Trump train because you can't attack the military within a, a Republican context. And it turns out the Republicans hated John McCain <laughs> more than they hate making fun, tongue yeah, in cheek, yeah. of military service. And it cost him absolutely nothing other than perhaps an invite to John McCain's funeral. Right. Right. But because of that, it planted the seed in a lot of people's minds that Trump would call a service member a loser. Right. Because it's, so, it's plausible. Right. I mean, I, I, I don't I would disagree a little bit. I would say some people have heard the story where he called John McCain a loser and said other people who weren't captured. If they're not paying attention, they hear this. And a lot of them are probably like, I can't believe he would say, wow. Like, I can't believe it in the sense that they believe it. You know what I mean? Like, right. For me, I look at this and I'm like, oh, come on, man. 
everything. Trump has been campaigning since he got elected. He got elected in 2016, and then he kept having rallies nonstop. Right. He's been in full campaign mode. And like you mentioned, he's had wounded vets at his rallies. Of course. This is cartoonishly, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. Yeah. But there's one more thing I want to point out, and then we, and then we could hear about what's, what's up with this and what, sure. you know, the Atlantic. They mentioned that Trump said he didn't understand why the United States would intervene on the side of the allies. And that, you know, he asked, who were the good guys? You know, you know what I find wrong with that is, who were the good guys? Um, us? No, no, but see, this is why I think that's something he could have said. If he meant, who were the good guys, Germany or England, or Italy or Germany, it was not a war of good versus evil. It was a war of, like, kings versus right. uh, um, shahs and, and versus kaisers. It's like, why are we involved here? And it's a question that has never been answered to our satisfaction to this day. So, yeah, that's a very fair question. Yeah, this isn't a clear-cut good guys versus bad guys. This is, why are we there to begin with? I think... Because of the Atlantic. Because of the Atlantic. Because of the Atlantic, yes. Really? So this this whole story goes full circle. Yes, that's the so the, I, uh, let's go. Okay. Let's do it. Bring, so bring on the history. There's lesson. someone named Randolph Bourne, and Randolph Bourne is a very interesting, largely forgotten historical figure. He was the first person who was a journalist who was handicapped, who talked about being handicapped. This is something where handicapped people were invisible before, uh, and he brought that to public attention. He died in the uh, Spanish flu epidemic of I think it was 1918 oh, wow. or 1920 yeah. uh, because of his disabilities. He was a dwarf and kind of misshapen. His lung capacity wasn't what it could have been, and he invented the term war is the health of the state and what was happening during the great war remember Woodrow Wilson campaigned on he kept us out of war the idea that we'd be involved in a war in Europe completely violated the Monroe Doctrine this had been something that had been the uh, United States policy for 140 years George Washington in his farewell address which was written by uh, was written by Alexander Hamilton said avoid foreign entanglements so we're gonna go to save like Serbia against Italy against the Austro-Hungarian Empire it made absolutely no sense on American principles. How do you get Americans to change their minds? Well, we all talk about in school about yellow journalism and William Randolph Hearst, the Spanish-American War, remember the main. What they forget about is they act like somehow that changed. Like there's yellow journalism and then we don't talk about it and now everyone's objective. It's been the same yellow journalism for a, a hundred years and more. The bloodlust of the establishment, in which I include the corporate press, cannot be overstated. <laughs> and what happened with the Great War is for the first time, all the lefties became, we need to get involved, we need to be the policemen of the world. Um, William Jennings Bryan, who had been three times previously the Democratic nominee, who was a big left-wing populist, he's the one who brought like strong religion to politics. He was Woodrow Wilson's Secretary of State. He was a pacifist. He resigned over this issue. Wow. So you can't, the thing is, you cannot, to this day, as president, get people into war unless the press prepares them for it, yep. even if you have a draft. So what happened is all these lefties all of a sudden had huge ideas about, wait a minute, if we get into World War I, that will give us an excuse to micromanage the economy from A to Z. It had been bubbling under since the early 1900s, and now we have an excuse. We can imagine what it would look like if America was like a factory centrally managed from D.C. Randolph Bourne was the only one who said, uh, John Dewey, all, Walter Lippmann, they're all there. John Dewey, uh, uh, Randolph Bourne was the only one who said, this is crazy. This is not what progressivism is about. We're not about going overseas to fight on behalf of kings. What are you talking about? And they started saying, well, he's a cripple. 
You shouldn't listen to anything he has to say. He, he's crippled in body. He's crippled in mind. It was extremely wow. offensive. Same thing happened later with Helen Keller. Yeah. Helen Keller was a radical communist. And they said, oh, well, now you're, well, of course she's, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's mentally disabled. Wow. And she's like, I'm not mentally disabled. I'm deaf, dumb, and blind. But my mind is fine. I'm like, yeah, okay, there. Go in the corner. So this is a pattern with people on the left. You're either with us or you're just someone who could be tossed in the garbage. Right. Um, and the Atlantic was one of the big – oh, and he became completely blacklisted. So, of course, once he starts speaking out about getting us into World War I, which makes no sense, which really destroyed so much lives for what purpose, uh, he was blacklisted. John Dewey wouldn't work with him. John Dewey was like the big leftist intellectual at the time. And they all signed on and sold their souls. And that was the big – this is why Woodrow Wilson, I think, is universally among the correct people regardless of the worst present history – became among the correct people yeah became the uh the this is when america became globalist and he was the first Amer second american president to leave america as president teddy roosevelt visited the panama canal he went to europe the idea of a president leaving america was un you would never think of it before because the whole point of a president is to stay in your country now every president's getting on jet every other weekend this was not the role of the president he's supposed to be here and hold the fort and i use the term fort advisedly so the atlantic has a lot of explaining to do, which they never have had to do, for all their pro-war propaganda. And here's where it gets even more evil. Deborah Lepstadt did an amazing book called Beyond Belief. And the premise of this book was about what the press was covering as Hitler rose to power in Germany. Now, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have cell phones, you didn't have YouTube, anything like that. So they're getting all these reports, and these reports of what Hitler and the Nazis were doing you, you, you don't really have cameras even that much to that extent. Seemed crazy and implausible. Oh, maybe people, you know. And they pointed to all the war propaganda from World War I when they talked about how evil the Kaiser was. This was a world where the Kaiser is the most evil human being on earth. And that was later proven to be false. So they're like, listen, we heard this 20 years ago. Wow. You guys lied about the Hun and how the Hun's killing people and raping everyone. Oh, and now Hitler is here. And now he's doing these things. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. And this is a major impediment in stopping Hitler's rise to power. And you can lay the blame at agencies like the Atlantic, the New Republic, and all these other de uh, depraved and malfeasant outlets. This is actually a challenge right now with China. Yes. So, so with what they're doing with the Uyghur Muslims and all that. Yes. I've actually had people ask me, yeah, but certainly you don't think war is, you know, is the answer and things like that. Well, not necessarily, but we do have to recognize the things that they're doing. The videos we've seen, the reports that are coming out of China are horrifying. But what do we do? And I think a lot of people are now in this kind of purgatory where, yeah, we've been lied to too much. Yes. The media's gung ho. Go war. I think what Trump's Trump's the last the, the, the first president in a long time no new wars. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that made me kind of turn on okay when he tried to pull the troops out of Afghanistan and and, and bring our our troops back and I've heard opinions from a lot of people but there there is a real challenge in when is war appropriate. I would personally say yeah World War 2 was something we should, Hitler should have been stopped a long time ago it should have never gotten to that point. I didn't know that about how the the fake news essentially impeded you know, this book, Beyond Belief, is just absolutely mind-boggling. It's just amazing because she very much defends the press in the sense of you can understand why they were so skeptical because they heard it all 20 years ago. And this is Germany. This is a civilized country. They're going to be acting like they're going to be beating up old people in the street. Okay, come on. Let, let's, let's have some perspective. And it was true. The corporate press. Yes, the, the corporate press is the enemy of the people, and that is the moderate, <laughs> that is the moderate position. Wow, you think yeah. so? 
Yes. I mean, they've been at it for over a hundred years. And I, yeah. I wrote this piece for the Observer a couple of years ago about uh, Obama in the tan suit. And I said, it's very useful to have a president like Trump who's regarded as a buffoon. Because if you have a president who's widely respected, you will smile and nod when he sends your kids to war, to die overseas yeah. for sometimes no reason. There's an amazing traveling exhibit, which I saw at UT Austin called The Great War, uh, which is about World War I. And I left it crying because you have all these letters from these kids. 17, 18, hey mom, we're in Brussels, everything's cool, and the plaque is like, he died next week. For what? Wow. For what? The amount of, co- you know plastic surgery was invented as a result of World War One Because of all the disfigurements. Because everyone came back disfigured, like chopped up, because it's the first time you had human bodies meeting with the Industrial Revolution that created these machines. Wow. It was just it's absolutely horrific what was done to all these kids. The amount of bloodlust that was at E-Press Field. And there's just one more thing. There's a very, very beautiful, very, very evil poem, which they love in Canada, called In Flanders Fields. And the point of this poem, if you want, you could pull it up, it's pretty short, is it's, it's, it's speaking from the voices of the dead. And it's saying, we're lying here where the poppies grow. Are you going to let us die in vain? Come over and join us. Wow. So the idea is like, you're not going to let all these people who died die for no reason. You have to die also because otherwise our deaths were pointless. It's, it's so sinister when you sit down and think about it. And there was a principle at the time that to be a real man, you know, you had to join and fight for war. And this was a time when all the Ivy Leagues, like these men were the first ones to sign up. And now we look back at it and it's just like this is kind of crazy how it was glorified. That it's a great idea, you know, you, to be a real man, you got to call to war. Even if after the fact, you're like, what was this about? You For know, what? Who were the, go- who were the good guys? I, I, I don't know if I would believe that Trump, w- as a president, would be saying things like that. I agree that. with you. You're right. So the, the story, com- to me, comes off as absurd. But I do think it's fair to say one thing that we're educated about relentlessly, World War II. Yes. When it comes to World War I. Yeah, it's forgotten. I, I actually remember when I was in school, and we, we we read a little bit about it, but it was pa- I read a little bit, but it's passed over almost immediately for World War Two, and it's almost like World War One is used in the context of what led to World War Two. Right, like the the Germans were upset about the debt, and they felt you know they wanted retaliation and things like that. But we, we we're not taught the history of all. It, we, it, there really is an overemphasis on World War Two for sure. Yes. and I think there's good reason for it. But it's an easy story to tell. There really is that is a good that is good versus evil, like, right? Or good versus good and evil versus evil because Stalin's on our side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't we don't they don't they don't teach us necessarily. We don't get it hammered into us by our culture about how how bad you know Stalin was. And we but, also don't get it hammered into like a lot of the government and the press lied and manipulated us into a war, which hundred years later we can't explain why we were in which led to the, the normalization of the idea of totalitarianism on American shores. And here's the other thing. Woodrow Wilson, I, I, there's a concept I call evangelical progressivism. I talk about this in my book, then you write very heavily. And the premise is there's different kinds of leftism. It's not a monolith. And there's this evangelical strain. It's a fundamentalist faith. And Woodrow Wilson came out of that school, and, which extends very much to this day. And the idea of, of uh, it was something called the social gospel. And the social gospel is a very twisted idea. And it says, you don't take the Christian idea of saving an individual's soul. You can save an entire nation, right? A nation has a spirit that has to be redeemed. Now, if you are going to redeem the spirit of an entire nation, that means everything in your life is on the table. The bedroom, the boardroom, on the street, everything is a a vehicle for sin, and everything is therefore up to discussion. And he 
talked in literally messianic terms about how it's America's God, he's an extremely religious man, America's role to save the world. And when you have that trickle down 100 years later, it's like whenever there's anything going on, it's our responsibility, even if we really can't do anything about it. And everyone listening to this remembers not that long ago, if we weren't in Syria, all the Kurds would be killed. It was another Holocaust. And no one who said that has had any accountability for their lies in trying to get Americans to be overseas, dying in a war where it's not very clear who the good guys are again. But we've had we've had strong glimpses like I, I shouldn't even say glimpse. We've been smacked in the face with this when The New York Times lied about WMDs in Iraq. Oh, yes, of course. And now there are kids who are, you know, preparing. Uh, I, I, I don't know if. What, what do they say? They're like, kids. Not, I got to interrupt you. Not just WMDs, that he's about to fire them. It wasn't yeah. that he had them. It's that he's about to use them. Iran is about to nuke Israel now for 20 years. Yeah, Any minute now. <laughs> we laugh, but you know, this has extremely... Did you, so, so it, you know, going back a little bit to the fact that the Atlantic's goal was to shift the cycle to benefit Trump. Yeah. One of the questions he got asked, Joe Biden, was, you know, some, something like, are you concerned that peace agreements in the Middle East with Israel will destabilize Palestinians to, you know, efforts for a two-state solution or something? And I'm like, are you literally trying to undermine peace agreements in the Middle East? They are. Absolutely. Of course they they're, are. They're warmongers. Yes, they cannot. Yeah. Their bloodlust cannot be overstated. And I got to cut Joe Biden some slack because he did fight in World War One. So, you, oh, gotta, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's right. a little different for him. He remembers it when it was just Palestine. I get yeah, it. yeah. I, th I think you mentioned Syria. Yeah. You know, we, we, we're, we're still in Afghanistan. Yeah. We still have a small. It's, it's not the biggest presence, you know, compared to where it was. I believe. Why are we in Germany? I, I mean, did we it's, ever leave? We never left. Yeah. It's mind-boggling. Are we boggling. still occupying Germany? Yes. <laughs> I was, so I was watching this movie, The Resistance Banker. Okay. And uh, I mentioned it several times now. It was a good movie. It's about a, uh, this, this Dutch guy. His name was Van Hall. I forgot. William Van Hall, I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. But uh, he helped fund the, the resistance against the Nazis in the Netherlands. It's an, it's an amazing story about how he did this scheme to like... They, they, they backed up money for people once the government, which was an exile, came back. They'd pay back people this money. And uh, I totally forgot where I was going with that because I started thinking about this movie and being cool and like fighting against the Nazis. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I'm watching this and I'm reading Wikipedia about World War II and stuff. And it's like, what happened at the end of World War II? The Allies occupied part of Germany. Then the, commun the, the, you know, the Soviets occupied you know, yeah. East Germany. And then I was like, oh, okay. And then I read about like, you know, the Berlin Wall fell. And I'm like, and when did we leave Germany? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we didn't. <laughs> There's a great book called 1946 which is about what happens when World War II ends and Europe is a complete wasteland and how they rebuilt. And there's one story which no one talks about because it's weird. Uh, it doesn't fit the good guy, bad guy thing, which is the Czechs in Czechoslovakia. They took all the Germans or people of German descent, even people who lived there for 100 years, put a sign in their back that says German and made them walk. Wait, what? Really? Yes, they walked them to the get the F out of Czechoslovakia and they walked to the border. Many died along the way. It was a trail of tears. Wow. They were Germans? Yes. All, any Germans yeah, yeah. in Czechoslovakia get the F out. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of them died. And they That's were like, I've up. never been to Germany. I don't care. You can, you can stay wherever you want. You can't stay here. Wow. Yeah. That's but you crazy. know what? You can't, in one sense, it's like in 40 years, you guys have decimated this continent. Like, we have had enough of you people. And you're blaming the Jews for all this, too? You, yeah. you, you people are just horrible. But that's racist, isn't it? Like, uh, those, is German a race? I don't know. Ethnicist? Like, those German people didn't do anything. They, they did just, not. No, yeah. no, they certainly did not. They're just like regular people. And many of them Happened certainly German. left Germany because they're like, I don't want to be around this. Wow, man, that's brutal. Yeah. 
That's crazy. But it, uh, everyone will always tell you that Europe is, Europeans are much more moral than us, and we should aspire to be like Europe. Mm-mm. You know, oh, of yeah, course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every five minutes you hear this. So, so it seems like the goal. I wonder if, if you know, Trump not starting a new war is part of the reason why they hate him. I think that he's, it's, not, it's not only that he's not starting a new war. We told you. We told you you have to start a new war. We told you if you don't do this, it's genocide, and you're waving your hand. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. What works is we tell you where there's a problem, and you as president, as commander-in-chief, send the troops there and fix the problem. This has been the deal for over 100 years. What are you doing, orange man bad? So, so is, you, do you know that, uh, that story about the chimps in the, in, the, in the study with the ladder and the fruit or whatever? No. So it's like they, they put five chimps in this room, and then they put like a stepladder, like a, a tall ladder, and they put fruit on top. And then anytime a chimp would climb, climb the, the stepladder, they'd spray them with a hose. Okay. All of the chimps. All the chimps would get sprayed. And so then eventually, when a chimp would try climbing the ladder, the other chimps would grab him and beat him up. Like, you're going to get a spray okay. with the hose. Don't do it. Then they took one chimp out and put in a new chimp. That chimp, that never got sprayed with the hose before. But when that chimp climbs up, the other chimps beat him up. One by one, they swap out all the chimps, never using the hose. Culture, yeah. And then the chimps just kept beating anybody who went near the yeah, ladder, yeah. not knowing what the real ram, you know, yeah. what, was the, what was the punishment. I wonder if, if that's why there's this war machine. It's just the way it's always been. The, like you, the people who who started the process of of just nonstop international war and conflict, well, they're dead. They're sure. they're in a long time. Sure. And so now their grandkids are the ones being like, "But we have to go to war." But I don't. I don't think it's just a question of principle for them. I think it's a question of status. It's a question of wealth. It's a question of power. If I'm the guy who decides who lives and dies and can conquer the fates of entire countries, that feels pretty good to me. And then you have this more this you know moron in the White House. Who does he think he is? Where like this has been the process, and now you're coming in and turning over the apple cart. That's not how the rules work, buddy. Go back to New York. Well, so let's 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 expand this into. Uh, uh, you know, another, I mean, these another... people make a lot of money. Oh, definitely. And I think there's also a very sadistic thrill in knowing that you're responsible for sending so many people to their deaths. But if if the U.S. wasn't doing it, who would be? Would would there would be someone in you know the Soviets? Would they, they, they were doing this, these expeditions in other places. China's doing it now. I don't think it's a given that there would be this kind of uh, one world power uh, that is, has its fingers in every pot. I mean, if you look at, let's suppose, Kuwait, right? That was much more of a multinational operation. You had the U.S., you had Britain. But basically, everyone was on the same page on that. It's not implausible that you would have this kind of coalition that would kind of make sure no, the borders are enforced because it's useful for the powerful to maintain the status quo. It's like gang warfare. This is my turf. This is your turf. We shake hands. The problem is when you have actors in bad faith like China, like what happened with Hong Kong, and that is something that all of us as Americans should be far more disturbed about than COVID because oh, sure. they are going to push the envelope until they get pushed back. And why wouldn't they? Well, so if the U.S. So, so here's the arguments that I've heard, right? If we leave Afghanistan, there's two big problems. A humanitarian crisis. Sure. This is what Sean Parnell was saying. And I think it's true. He says all these people that helped us or, or sympathized, they're going to be dead. Just they're going to go and kill all these people. And we can't. We, what, what do we do? We don't just leave these people to die. Sure. And I'm like, that is it. That is it. That, that's a serious challenge. Although I, I think we've kind of created this mess for ourselves. We've got to find a way out. The other issue is China moves in. Yeah. To, you know, now that there's a power vacuum. They can come in, they can take control of the territory and use it for strategic purposes or, you know, for resources. 
And then China's already pushing into other parts of the world, South America, Africa. There was a, are you familiar with what, what they were trying to do with the Nicaraguan Canal? No, I know they're China. pulling out of Africa to some extent, but please educate me. So this was several years ago. That I, I believe the project fell through, but we, we, you know, we essentially control the Panama Canal, which is very, right. very powerful. They wanted to just rip through Nicaragua. And that's that's massive. That's not Panama. Yeah, Pan- yeah. Panama is like it's by design. They've re- there's a picked it for a reason. Exactly. It's the shortest one. Yeah. But so they did, worked all these deals, and it would have apparently destroyed like this massive freshwater aquifer and decimated a lot of local population. Ultimately, it fell through. But they were moving towards this. The ultimate goal being they want to supplant us. They want to to they're, they're pushing us out. And then the fear I have is, yeah, man, I hate these foreign you know uh, excursions or whatever you want to call them. The U.S. likes to hop around. They, you know, uh, the, the Syria thing, there's a, there's a lot of, uh, uh, I, I guess I could call it speculation because I'm not a, a, a Middle Eastern policy expert, but like uh, the Qatar-Turkey pipeline, right? you're familiar with this. Yes. They, they were trying to build a, a natural gas pipeline up through Syria, through Turkey, into Europe to, to essentially, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, offset the Gazprom gas monopoly in Europe. So this leads, leads to war, all these conflicts. So I'm, I'm not a fan of, of us being like, we should get cheaper gas in Europe and Russia's you know, strangling us on this. So we want Syria to bend the knee to us. And then Syria says no. And then, oh, lucky for us, there's an uprising and the U.S. is on the side of the people who oppose this. But th- th- there is, all, all that being said, do we sit, what do we do if China is gaining territory and moving around and doing the things they're doing? They're quite, quite literally running concentration camps. Yeah, I mean, listen, I wrote the book on North Korea, so I am not at all a fan of the Chinese government and, and the North Korean government. This is something that's you know, my wheelhouse, and I've been you know, warning about this for many years, and thankfully the audiences have been extremely receptive to hearing this story. Uh, honestly, what I would say, if, this, if the corporate press wasn't as depraved as it is, it would be very easy or moderately easy to get us to side with Russia against China. This oh, is, yeah. <laughs> it would. There's been there a very is. long yep. history, decades long, of rivalry between Russia and China, between Mao and, and all the Russian leaders. Uh, it would be very, if we were combined against them, it would be pretty much unstoppable. But because the corporate press has made Putin, for no reason that's ever been explained, to be the worst dictator on earth, uh, it, this has now become radioactive. And, I mean, and if Trump made moves to strengthen his relationship with Russia, which would benefit a lot of people, if Russia and the U.S. were teamed up in the Middle East, that would solve a lot of problems because we could, between us, could sit a lot of these countries down, the more moderate ones, and be like, look, we're locking you guys in a room, figure it out, you know, and they bang on the door to let out. But it happened with UAE, and the, this could be the first domino. You, you invite them to the rec center. Yeah. And then once they all come in, they realize both sides are there, but then you lock the doors. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think I know why Russia is the bad guy. Why? Because the U.S. is cutting deals with China. And, and not the U.S., but po- these politicians. Oh, yeah. For, for decades now, of our manufacturing has been extracted. And we can thank Nixon for this. What did Nixon do? I mean, Nixon went to China and normalized relations. He raised the, the glass to Chairman Mao in a toast that was written by Pat Buchanan. Jeez, really? Yes, yes. And the thing is, what people don't appreciate, this is what I hate, binary thinkers in politics. You know, they think if I want right-wing ideas, I'm going to vote right-wing. And if I want left-wing ideas, I vote left-wing. Bill Clinton gave a ban on gay marriage in a balanced budget. A right. lot of times, <laughs> because there's no one to a person's left to criticize them, they're in a position to implement uh, right-wing ideas and vice versa. Yeah. Richard Nixon, who cut his teeth 
uh, running against uh, uh, Helen Douglas, I think was her name, was for the Senate and called her a commie, which she, in some ways she probably was. <laughs> no one's going to say Richard Nixon's too pro-communist. Yeah. So that gave him cover as president to go to China. I mean, Mao is the biggest butcher in history without question. Yeah. And raise a glass and like, oh, we're friends now. And who's going to say he's not hard enough on communism? So it, it's this is something that a lot of times politics is very counterintuitive. But it, there's a very big incentive for both political parties to make it seem like it's this is left, this is right. If you want right, vote right. If you want left, vote left. And that's not how it ends up. Look at the spending well, Trump, this year. There, there's been no voices saying, oh, sure. what if it's just maybe 10 percent less? No one. Well, Trump has really broken the left and the right of whatever it's supposed to be. Oh, yeah. It used to, you know, you know, I, I think that the, the way I view politics right now and one of the reasons why, aside from the riots and the chaos, I'm like, you know, what, man, I'm voting for Trump. And there's a lot of reasons. Number one is the cult of intersectionality and identitarianism on the left is like nightmarishly expansive. It's just getting worse. and It's crazy. Maoism. It's it. Well, yeah. There I, are struggle sessions. Those are right. literal struggle sessions. My, 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 my fear is they want to rewind the clock on civil rights. Like, I'm not even kidding. They were appealing 209 in uh, Prop 209 in California, right. which is their, their public civil rights law. They're sure. like, we're getting rid of this one. And that, that's crazy to me. But what, one of the big deals, uh, particularly, is, is, you know, Trump trying to remove our troops. Yeah. Uh, he tried doing it in Syria. It's not worked out too well. I remember when he fired those tomahawks at, at, at Syria, the 59 tomahawk missiles, and I was laughing like, yeah, of course, here we go again. It's what presidents do. It's a big game. And then all of a sudden the media was like, hmm, oh, is Trump being presidential the first, now? Yep, of course. We remember yeah. this very well. It's the first time he was being presidential is when he's bombing exactly. another country. It's, it's so – but once you know that that's what they believe, it's very disturbing because you see it all the time. So Trump is not a Republican. He's not a Republican the way I remember Republicans growing up. Sure. These these Christian moral Mitt Romney types. So I, I view Trump as I, I he's kind of like to but me. You, but I got to interrupt you, Tim. That's a myth. The only Christian Mitt Romney type was Jimmy Carter, who was a Democrat. Reagan was Reagan was divorced. Uh, George H W oh, Bush. Oh no, 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 was, right. But I, there I, were none. The thing is, that's the image. But none of them were really there. That's not, I don't necessarily mean. I'm, I'm giving a caricature. Okay, sure. I, I don't, obviously, I don't think all the Republicans were like you know hoity-toity Christian up, uptight. I think it was like you know when I was growing up, the Republicans were very moral authoritarian. Oh yeah. And so now that's kind of drifted away, and we're seeing a more like uh, Republicans are becoming a bit more libertarian. Sure. And they're kind of you know less about imposing their morals on other people, whereas the left is doing all of that now. Each party is libertarian when they're in the defensive, and then yeah. when they get in power, they become authoritarian because now uh. they're in a position to do what they want. Well, I don't, I don't, see, I don't think Trump is whatever that establishment party was. I agree, and I think they're mad. We're seeing all these Republicans resign, retire. You know, not, not resign. Not but like, John Kasich. Please come back, John. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what? And now they're all endorsing Biden. You yeah. know, what, you know, you know why I see what it is, or the way I see it. They both parties were like. Uh, it, it, you know that Futurama episode? You watch Futurama? Of course. Where the where the uh, Jack Johnson and John Jackson? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I think you're. You know, it was like. What don't, did he say? Or don't blame me. I voted for Kodos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the the the, the, the Futurama joke is. Um, I think your tax proposal goes too far. I think your tax proposal proposal doesn't go too far enough. Yeah. Like the, you don't even know what they're talking about. So I'm, I post. I remember I posted this meme a long time ago on Facebook. It got a ton of shares. It's an image of uh, a guy. On a, sitting on a couch with his, with his girlfriend and she's got his arm around him and then his arm is behind the couch holding the hands of a, of a different woman. Mm -hmm. And so I put, you know, uh, Democrats or Republicans, you, and you're, you're on your party like loving them and they're secretly working together. Yeah, of course. The, 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 Republican, like, the Republican establishment and the Democratic establishment were in agreement on war and, you know, yes. this, this intervention and all of these things. And then Trump comes in and it's kind of wild and all over the place. 
Now he's sort of no new war, no, no new wars, trying to pull our troops out. It's it's a it's a part of his second term agenda. He actually tried to do it, and now they're going nuts. Here's and the, they've been going nuts the whole time for sure. Here's the other thing: if you were wrong by your own admission about the biggest foreign policy decision in the last thirty years, which was the Iraq War, if this is by your own words, this was a mistake. Mistake means like, oh, Tim, I was supposed to pay you back. I forgot the money. Oops, buddy. You know, or something like that, or I'm late. <laughs> it's not I'm responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. Let's even pretend Iraqi lives don't matter, which a lot of times people actually do. And how many soldiers? If that's the case, if your judgment is that flawed, you're not in a position to try to be commander in chief. You would have actual guilt and be like, what have I done? Like you and I both know people who were had their finger in leading up to the Iraq war and who look back at that and they're still filled with enormous guilt as well they should be. If you thought of this as a mistake, if you had your hand in the Iraq war and you think of it a mistake in the same way you and I and many other people think of a mistake, you're not running for president. You're going to therapy because you're like, how can I sleep at night where because of my vote, so many people lost their kid? I don't think they care. Well, right, right. They don't care. But what I'm yeah. saying is if it really was a mistake, a sane person would be like, oh, my God, what have I done? So so, so, what do you think about Trump? I mean, there's, I could go on for hours. What do you, let's, let's be and, more and, specific. And, and, in this context, do you think Trump is trying to do right by America? I, I think in this context, Trump has been very consistent in being anti-war. I think they, the corporate press and the, the cathedral always like to portray themselves as, as sophisticated, right? Oh, you don't understand. You're, you watch your Big Bang Theory and Peoria, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. We read the New Yorker and we watch, listen to NPR. We're sophisticated. And, you know, the, the arguments for war are often complex, although they're dishonest. And it's like, wait a minute, this idiot is saying, what's the point of going to war? Can someone sit him down and explain it? Because I sure can't. Yeah, you can't because you're a liar, because there isn't a reason. So the fact that he has this very basic aversion to war, the fact that he's like, explain to me why we have to be everywhere on earth. My friend had this idea, and I think this would be brilliant. If the commander-in-chief, you know, Halloween, October 15th, says, you know what? These troops should be spending Christmas with their families. (laughs) I'm pulling them from all over the world, and they can vote, by the way, and let the press freak out, like, oh, my God, it's going to stabilize the world, and let all these Americans be like, that is how patriots operate, and this would be an enormous boon for him, and it would drop their mask even further for their malfeasance and depravity. Let them justify why they're in these places. Why are we in Germany? Yeah. The hell are you talking? It was it was it was Heck, so it was so me. funny when that happened because you know uh, Trump talked about getting our troops out of Afghanistan and Germany, and the intercept. I'm like, you know, this is what's crazy to me. Why why aren't they more in favor of Trump? Take the win when you can take it. Yeah. If 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 you are adamant about getting our troops back, and you're willing to criticize Democrats and Republicans for blocking Trump from doing so, then maybe you shouldn't jump on all of the insane corporate press smears of the president to make money. Do you remember that we, when we assassinated General Soleimani, that was going to be World War III? Yeah, That was a that. given. He was there, you yeah, know, had- George Washington. I can't believe he killed this guy. What have we done? They're going to nuke Israel. They're not going to back down. But then they back down. No one who said that we would have these disastrous consequences has paid any price for their at least— ever. This uh, uh, confusion, let alone lies. You know, that's that's why Russia needs to be the specter. If we pull our troops out of Germany, Russia uh, yeah. will move in. Yeah. Russia's not going to invade Germany. Can you imagine if Russia invade Germany? That's ridiculous. I mean, oh my God. Now, Russia did invade Crimea. Sure. You know, we, we can talk about that, but we didn't do anything then. Right. And that was a long time ago. Right. So ultimately, 
I ask you the question about Trump in, in kind of the term, terms of, I don't know how you, how you, would you vote for Trump? I don't believe in voting, no. You don't, I'm an anarchist, no. Oh, okay. Do, well, I guess how do I ask you that question then? Do, what, do, what do you think of his job? Like, do you think he's done a good job? Do, I think what he's best at is dropping, getting them to drop their mask. And yeah. I think what he's best at is something I'm very big and fa- big, heavily in favor of is uh, eliminating political discourse and having the, this idea, this boomer con fantasy that everyone's going to sit down and it's going to be Reagan and Tip O'Neill and we're going to just shake our hands and come to a compromise. When the parties work together, America gets screwed. It is very, very useful for them to despise each other in real life. A lot of times they despise each other for fake, like in wrestling. Uh, I'm old enough to remember when people found out that Jim du- uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Iron Sheik were in a car together. They got arrested. He's a bad guy. He's a good guy. This is unconscionable. <laughs> this changed everything. You mean Kamala isn't really a cannibal from Africa who eats chickens? Um, it blew everyone's mind. And a lot of that is fake. And for yeah. the cameras, Lindsey Graham is a great example. He was losing his mind by Kavanaugh. Yep. Where, where have been this Julie Swetnick summons? Where have been the accountability yeah, people who lied, called him a gang rapist? Been That's done. why I don't like any of these people. Right, exactly. So they <laughs> put the on a good show and whatever. But he is, uh, I think, showing a lot of people that there's large segments of the left who want you dead but will settle for your submission. And it's become – the fact that you would have – let's go back to the Atlantic – if I were, as an entity, responsible for getting us into the Great War and felt some remorse about this century-old mistake, nowadays I'd be like, you know what? This is our background. I'm going to err on the side of caution and err on the side of non-interventionism because I got a lot of explaining to do and a lot of making effort, but they don't because they are proud of their depravity. Well, they're, well I think they're proud of World War II. Oh, sure, but that, that wasn't the Atlantic. World War I was largely— No, I mean—, I mean you, you, you get an example. But they couldn't get us into World War II. It took the Japanese. Right. But I think after World War II, they can justify, you see, here's what happens. Oh, yeah. And there's, there's a legitimate question about how do we deal with China? I, I mean, look. Like they, I have no good answers. I don't think either. there are any good answers on yeah. the table. They're not a paper tiger. They're an, enormously powerful. They're inc- incredibly vindictive. They do not value human life. And, that's, and when you have a billion people, you don't value human life. That's, things get very, very tricky very quickly. I hear a lot of people say that China is a paper tiger. And I'm like, that's, as far as I'm concerned, irrelevant because they have economic power. Yeah. They can buy the, 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 the you know, they've got know a the huge rock mil- lobster or whatever. They've got a huge military. And I, that's, and th- the thing is, they, they're also in a position to do, they've got nukes. I mean, right. a paper tiger or not, this, the, and these people are, are a very, it's very important for them not to lose face in, in the public eye. So th- these are very you know, dangerous stakes. One of, uh, we, this is a good opportunity to segue into like the, the riots and stuff. Okay. One, of, one of the things I've pointed out, we were, mentioned, we were talking a little, little bit about, about this before the show. There's a lot of things that have happened because of COVID and the riots that have benefited us if it comes to war. Notably that our cities are decentralized. Yes. Our economy is becoming remote workers, making it very hard to destabilize. And people are armed to the teeth. We've gotten rid of non-essential jobs. And a lot of the jobs that are coming back first are the ones that are, for the most part, more essential yeah. than others. And some jobs have permanently closed that weren't as essential, which means a lot of people are now going to be seeking out work that will be more in line with essential activities. These things together, that's going to help us out a lot if it comes to war. And there's been uh, there's something I often refer to called Thucydides Trap. This has just been referenced in the media over and over again. Are you, you, have you familiar with the with Is that the, the one with the boat? Thucydides Trap. No, it's the it's it's I don't know the exact reference of why it is you know named this, but the general idea is. When a rising economic power approaches the dominant power, war breaks out. 
Okay. And it's like, I think the Atlantic did a story saying out of the past 500 years, there have been 16 moments and 12 of them resulted in war. So one of the arguments I hear from the people who are pro, like the Trans-Pacific Partnership, these, you're familiar with the TV brochure, yeah. yeah, the yeah. trade deals, was that it would prevent war from breaking out by creating strong economic ties between the two countries. Send all our factories over to China. We can't go to war with them. They'll rise and become the dominant superpower. But who cares? We're all rich. Oh, that's, that's a very disturbing. I mean, that's who one cares? Of the arguments. That's one of the arguments. Who I've cares heard. if the yeah. Chinese? Oh, my God, that's horrifying. So the, the idea was. What is the, I mean, I'm going to get all Christian, but what value is the price of money if it costs of your soul? I mean, this is. That's what this, scares me. That's a depraved nation. Well, so. State, I, the government, I mean. Right, right. But the, the people, the, there are people who genuinely argue war is bad. We don't want death. And if we have these trade lines between the U.S. and China, it will disincentivize war because people would lose money because but of it. But we still get death because when you have a totalitarian regime, the oppression right. and know. the amount of people and that's, are killed. It's my God. And, and if they take over. Yes, of so, course. So Bernie and Trump oppose TPP. Okay. Now, Bernie, right. he, yeah, he yeah. Sold, sold out to the DNC as soon as he could. Of course. You know he doesn't say millionaires anymore. Is that right? Right. It's just billionaires. Did you say millionaires and billionaires? Yeah, now yeah. it's just billionaires because yeah. he's a millionaire. Yeah. I'm assuming that's the reason. But he's, he's, he's totally in line, endorsed them also every step of the way. But Trump is very much, he shut it down. He, he shut down NAFTA. And it, it seems like whether Trump has the ability to do so or not, whether he's uh, sporadic or not, he does want to help this country. There's also an example in American Shores, which is Alexander Hamilton's brilliant idea was to have a national bank and nationalize the debt because he said this would be a great blessing because when you have the debt of 13 states interwound, you can't unwind it. So it's yep. going to be a country, whereas if you had 13 states, 13 currencies, it's very easy to separate apart right. to the point where Jefferson, who was like a huge enemy of this, he's like, this is unconstitutional. He backed up having the National Bank as president. And what that led to 70 years later was a civil war. This idea that economic entanglements are going to be a guarantee against war, maybe against war, but it's sure not going to be a guarantee against conflict. And we saw it, thankfully, the, the other peaceful way with Brexit, where they voted for Brexit, but then implementing it took two years because no one could negotiate the terms of divorce successfully. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was, I think it was more than that. It was... A more, yeah, it was an extended period of time, yeah. It felt like a betrayal from the, the politicians, from oh, Parliament. Oh, Theresa May is just, like, yeah. it's, I'm really happy that she's going to go down in history as one of the worst politicians so in history. you know what happened, what is it, December 13th, 2019, in the UK? No. The, would you, insane landslide victory. For oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yes. You think that's coming here? No. Like, you don't think so? No, I don't think so. Like, like the House flipping Republican, Senate going, you know, maintaining. No, I don't. I mean, it's very different with a parliament because basically the parliament is the equivalent of our House of Representatives, right. right? And you had Jeremy Corbyn, which people don't appreciate to what extent Jeremy Corbyn is a despicable people, yeah. evil person who, who validated enormous anti-Semitism and radicalism. He was like a Stalinist, right? Yeah. Joe Biden, it's very hard to hate him. Uh, in terms of politics, he's not a bad person. He might be an, an, an idiot or an ass or many things. It's very hard to make the case this guy is a radical. Uh, my favorite Joe Biden is angry old man Joe Biden. There was a... a um, uh, um, Look fat Joe Biden? An, a, no, an, an activist. An activist got in his face and said, you need open borders. Biden turned his back and said, go vote for Trump. Go vote for Trump. Yeah. <laughs> like stuff like that. I mean, he's much more old school. I mean, the guy's been in the Senate since, 19, since Nixon. So he put... 
a lot of black people in jail. Uh, he the got, crime bill. yeah, he got Clarence Thomas on the Supreme Court to some extent. I mean, he didn't fight it or, or whatever his role was in that. So he has a wreck. I mean, he's talking the nonsensical talk now. Just yesterday, he was claiming that a black person invented the light bulb. This is just pure out of is this. Is that what he said? Yes. Oh, this geez, is pure man. out of this kind of revisionist history, right, blah, right, blah, right. where, uh, uh, you know, population is the w- most oppressed in history, but also the greatest inventor simultaneously somehow. Uh, <laughs> but, but this has been common parlance with this kind of Howard Zinn, uh, far lefty and Joe Biden just you know being a good politician and talking the talk but it's going to be very hard to compare him to Jeremy Corbyn because Jeremy Corbyn I don't think we have any American analog in terms of how what a nasty person he is and how uncharismatic and how radical his ideas were I have a bold uh, I I don't want to call it a prediction but uh, I just I have ideas sometimes okay and I imagine a future I like to look at everything that's going on, the variables, and then try and think as far ahead as possible. The issue with with predicting too far ahead is that the more variables you throw into the mix, the more you know different the the the, the, the greater number of futures sure. you can perceive. Sure, of. of course. But I I envision there's a possible future in which Donald Trump wins. There is some semblance of uh, unity among individuals in rejection of this far left insanity. Sure. Regular people are scared. They can't speak up their own opinions. Yep. That was Cato Institute. Uh, most people do not hold these views. It's somewhere between 8 and 10% according to a lot of these polls, these, these far pr- progressive views. And people hate cancel culture. So uh, yes. there's a lot of people who are secretly not speaking up. I envision a future where we actually come together. Uh, in a sense, Trump wins, shocking the nation. And, it, you know, ultimately we do end up in a war with China and all of these things that have happened from the riots end up becoming an afterthought. We've got decentralized. We, 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 we've decentralized our economy, remote workers working in the mountains off of, you know, but where would the war take place? Uh, that's a good question. Pacific International, uh, the, the, the South China, the China, like Guam, like we're just fighting on Guam. Potentially. Well, uh, the South China Sea, the atolls, a lot of the conflict would happen here there. But I imagine that depending on who gets dragged into it and what to what degree this this erupts i first and foremost i would say this is wild speculation sure, looking far into the future but most of the conflict we've seen so far has been between in the south china sea with china you know they've they've been accused of sure. sinking yeah, yeah. fishing yeah. boats you know they've been doing beaching drills no i've not so they with this. yeah so like landing boats on the beach and okay. running in and a lot of people think it's because they want to invade taiwan they want to seize control and that could be a catalyst for you know whatever this Thucydides war would end up becoming between the U.S. But we have all of these inadvertent things that have happened because of the riots that and it actually would help us out if we went to war. Here's, I think, uh, I, I don't know that I have anything of interest to add to what you're, you're saying. I don't think that's remotely an impossibility. My big question I'm wondering is who is more likely to have the riots end when they beca- if they win the election? You can easily make the argument why it would be Trump, because now he's in a position to send in the tanks. He's just got the validation. But you could easily see it be Biden, because now you could say, we have an adult in the room now. Well, this- well, well hold on. Tanks? Yes, like send. I'm using that metaphorically, but just basically lo- oh, have see, law and order and have the National Guard come in. I was like, did in. something actually? No, no. Well, no, he's doing something smarter. Oh, he's being smart now. I'm just saying in terms of November, like there's two scenarios and you can, I can make the case for either would be the be- one better to stop the riots from happening. Trump, uh, the the feds have deputized Oregon State Police. Did you hear this? No, I've not. Now an arrest from an Oregon State trooper of these rioters goes to the feds, not to the local DA. Oh, that's so smart. Exactly. Trump nailed it. Nail, you know, meat hammer. While keeping his hands clean. Yup. 
So a lot of people have been saying Insurrection Act, Insurrection Act. And I'm like, man, I don't know. They'll use it against them. Of course. Oh, he's Hitler. He's an authoritarian. But not just that. Could you imagine the troops coming in and then the local uh, government saying, yeah. get out. Yes. We're being occupied. Yeah. So, tr- so the DHS deputizes, the feds deputize the Oregon State Police. It's a local affair. But if the state police, when they arrest them, the feds prosecute. The problem was the state police retreated out of Portland because every arrest they made, the DA would be like, you're free to go. Charges dropped. So Trump has figured out a way to deal with the riots. Well, what, there you go. What I thought he did brilliantly was when he called out the mayor of Portland and he said, you know what? Call me. We'll solve this so easily. And you wouldn't even believe it because that <laughs> tells everyone they're either comfortable with this or unable to stop it. Right. And he's like, the offer's on the table. Balls in your court, Mr. Mayor. I'm respecting your authority. And it's a, a really the smart. Lori Lightfoot. Uh, this Chicago. This, this genius yeah. mayor of Chicago, she said, well, the riots are happening uh, because we don't have gun control. Lady, you haven't had gun control in 2018, 2019, <laughs> 2017. Now, all of a sudden, it's causing rioting? How is, how is gun, not gun, having gun control causing rioting? It's amazing what straws they'll grasp to try to create some kind of reason for why things are happening because these things shouldn't be happening. How do these people keep being elected? Like, why, why has Chicago been Democrat for, what, 80 years? Well, I think there's a there's a lot of dynamics in cities where people just culturally are going to end up voting for the same thing over and over uh, and just expecting it's unconscionable. You're not going to vote for a Republican and the Republicans aren't going to waste their time because you're still going to have that city council. This is why I don't vote. Well, I don't. Gonna, I, I, don't I, I, I am going to be voting okay. in November, though. And uh, the, the, the surge of intersectionality has freaked me out to the point where I'm like. Not, I'll be completely honest. Trump trying to withdraw the troops from Afghanistan. I'm like, you know what? I'll take what I can get. There's two thi- you know. things that are going to fight this cult, which I think are going to be very useful. One is the more radical solution, which I've introduced, which uh, is the kind of thing is like you throw out – what the left does very well is they throw out the completely crazy version. They settle for like three quarters. Defund the police. you know? And it's like, oh, my God, it's crazy. Okay, how about you give us A, B, and C? Sure, but just as long as we don't have to defund the police. Uh, I think we should nationalize all university endowments which are the crystallization of privilege. There's nothing more privileged than having a fancy Ivy League degree and use that money for reparations. Have you been following a Will Chamberlain on Twitter? Will Chamberlain got that idea from me. Oh, so Will, did so he? He stole your idea. He didn't oh. steal it. He credits me. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. So Will Chamberlain's my buddy, head of human events. That's my idea. <laughs> That's so great. Um, seize the endowments. Yes, yeah, yeah. seize the endowments. The other thing that can happen in the short term, especially with startups, is when you see someone coming from an Ivy League, you should look at that person with the same stigma as someone who was gay in the 1950s. This person is security risk. You're inviting something in your company that you might not want. But that was wrong. Sure, but now it's right. <laughs> well, the, the, the SJW stuff. What, yeah, but now it's right to be discriminatory. Be like, you. odds are this person has been trained to be a member of the Social Justice Warrior Militia. Look what happened to Papa John's. Papa John's was quoting someone and disparaging them. Yes, he's saying, "Don't talk like this person who said this. That's terrible. He, he You're like, fired." He said, "Can you believe that this guy said KFC was a- Colonel N-word Sanders and yeah. got away with it? Yes. The press didn't come after him. This is ridiculous." And he got fired from his you, own company. You about the Netflix guy? No, what happened? He there? was giving a seminar on words that were offensive that shouldn't be on Netflix. Yes. and he got. F- and so this is hilarious. This story is so so amazing. He says a bunch of words. Someone in the meeting complained to HR. They brought him in and said, what happened? And he explained, uh, I was giving a meeting explaining, these are the words we don't allow on Netflix. And then they were like, what were the words? He said them. And then the HR people complained. He said the word in front of us. 
I can't. I, what? He was telling you not to say it. But, but yeah, but you're acting. You're ascribing rationality of fundamental faith. So that, this is what when you're you're exactly. starting up a company and you're looking at these resumes, you need to start looking at these as examples of something to fear and stigma. And the the, uh, the price, the the value that they might add from coming to elite college, are it's going to be decreasing in close to, as opposed to cost. You know what, man? I remember when I was uh, a lot younger, and when I was like a teenager, I I, I was Catholic for a little bit. Just because I was a little kid, you lost your, your helicopter head. Yeah. Um, so, so I went to Catholic school up until fifth grade. Time for the helicopters. And then when I was a teenager, I became very, I don't, I don't necessarily want to say uh, atheist. Okay. Kind of agnostic, but very arrogant. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Like the people on, on Reddit. Totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. But you're, you're so dumb. You believe in God? Yeah. Okay. Oh, and, God, and uh, right. But I was, you know, so morally superior. Yeah. So superior to people. But, uh there, there was like a concern about this moral authoritarianism coming from the right, yeah. which is now predominantly on the left. And it's the, it's, yes. it's, it's the exact same thing. That's why I think it's funny you said ascribing you know, reason to a fundamentalist faith. But these people are, are taking over to a, to, a, to a degree where, you know, I, re- I remember hearing stories about like, what do I do when my family is ultra you know, religious and they won't listen to what yeah, I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I have the same problem now in the other direction. Like I, I, I have, it, it's really interesting because... Uh, the, the, the part of my family that isn't white, they love Trump. Okay. Not, not all of them, of course, but there's a lot of like, you know, they're all like, yeah, Trump's great. And the white people in my family, my extended family, by the way, are SJWs. Oh, gosh. Did they hate you? <laughs> it's the weird. I have no I, I doubt it. Okay. I don't think they hate me, but uh, uh, they, they won't engage. So I've tried like commenting like, hey, here's why I disagree with this weird, you know, stuff you're saying. I didn't, I didn't call them weird, but like... But it's also your outgroup. It's, it's also psychological because you're from the other side and it's like... it's Not, not even. Like, uh, look, I'm talking about my, like family members that I would go to Christmas with. And all of a sudden they're posting nightmarish white collectivist ideology. Right. But do you, you see, you're, you're, I don't think you're understanding their perspective. And I think it's... Imagine if like one of your cousins came and started talking about BDSM. And it's like, I get that that's what you're in. Maybe it's a shrug for you. But I'm saying for some people, it'd be like, why are you talking about this? This is at the very least creepy and weird. And I don't want to hear it. Normal air quotes people don't think in these terms. So that is what it's like for them, for their faith. When you're talking about nuance regarding Trump, it's like, this is gross and not part of what I believe. It's it's not even that. It's like, uh, you know, so I I used to work in nonprofit fundraising. Okay. So I, I, I was very good working for some of these big companies at communicating and like sort of opening the doors into people like in, 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 the, in the sense of we could have a conversation before they recoil in horror. Sure, sure. So uh, I, I actually did a lot of trainings to teach people how do you communicate with someone who's not ideologically aligned with you? You need to build rapport with yes. them before anything. So before you go up to them and say, you're crazy and wrong for believing this stuff, you say something that's more uh, rapport building. Simply, You have to play on their turf, not yours. Right. You say, uh, you know, so a common technique is, uh, where are you from? Where are you from? Brooklyn. Brooklyn. I, still, I lived in Brooklyn for five years, dude. Man, they got the best Indian food in Bed-Stuy. And it was this little hole-in-the-wall place. I used to live in, uh, like, Myrtle and Nostrand. You know Myrtle and Nostrand? This is people who don't live in Brooklyn. That's how they talk. I would be running away immediately. Sure, sure, sure. But yeah, the, I got you. The, you know, the, you're exactly right, because then it's like, it's us versus them. Right, right. So you, you create a rapport. Yeah. I try, I try saying things, like, on their terms. Racism is bad. I'm so glad you're opposed to racism. Don't you think it's an issue that white people are forming collective groups? Yeah. And they immediately just, there's no logic. There's no reason. And there's agree with me or get the F off my page. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, so, so They've l- been l- trained me, to act this way. Let me, let me tell you something. You're, you're familiar with Daryl Davis. I'm not. 
Daryl Davis is the is the black blues musician who de-radicalized over 200 Klansmen. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Amazing dude. His yes. story's incredible. I did an event where he was speaking. They threatened to burn the theater down. We do an after event, and he decides to go across the street to the Antifa protesters and talk to them, and they called him a Nazi and a white supremacist and refused, and he is Facebook posting, I've never, I've never experienced this. But fossils he, encourage people to believe I know. in creationism. So the point right. is, for them, I talk about this in my book as well, for them, black is a spiritual state. When, that's why Bill Clinton is the first black president and Clarence Thomas is not black. <laughs> you laugh, but it has an internal logic to it. I know, I know, it. I know. In the same way for Catholics, right, the Eucharist, the wafer, literally becomes Christ's uh, bones and the wine literally becomes his blood. I think that's the Catholics who do that. Uh, literally, you are no longer black and literally you are black if you are saved from the sin of racism. And once you realize that's how they look at things, everything else makes much more sense. It's, it's I find it hilarious when I, I've like white people attack black people calling racial slurs and these these anti protesters. I don't think it's funny at all. Well, I don't. I mean, I don't mean funny, haha. I mean funny as in unusual and and like I I've unnerving. Done, you know what it is? I've done so much work with like North Korea and and the former Soviet Union and how these totalitarian ideologies work. That when I see even the slightest bit of it. It really make it really makes me recoil, and it's just like this gets very bad very quickly, and I don't find it cute at all. Like I get why you do, I just personally don't. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not but I am on the verge of laughing because you're wearing this hat, yeah, with the the helicopter on it, yeah, and you're talking about the Soviet Union, North Koreans, sure. the Gulag, you know, kind of stuff. The helicopter solved that problem. <laughs> That's Chile. true. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Are you at all concerned? This undermines. Or actually, maybe it helps. No, this yeah. is very good because it alienates people who can only see things visually and viscerally. And those like are not the that. people I want on my side. I want people who are able to hear ideas and think critically. So this is actually a good filtering device for that's alienating people I wouldn't want to be able to uh, be engaged with. Yeah, that's a good point. Perfect. The, the, the crazy thing about the Daryl Davis circumstance was that he could walk up to a Klansman and they'd be like, whoa. And he'd be like, how's it going? And they'd be like, hi. And they'd talk. He couldn't do that with these far left. The Klansman is ignorant right. and had been taught a bunch of ideas, which is based on not. It's very hard to be racist or homophobic or anti-Semitic or any of these other things if you know people from that group. Right. One of the best ways that gay rights got over was what I call like the ambassador program, because as more and more gay people came out and you were like, blah, 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 they're coming after kids. And you're like, that's my uncle. Like, right. I, he loves my nephew. What do you, and that is personal. Like, this happened a lot, you know, with Europe, with the Jews. It's like, that's my lawyer, like, or yeah. whatever. It's like, I, he's, not, maybe I don't, you, there's, you could say certain bad things about him. The fact that he's evil, I'm not hearing this, not even for a second. That is, so for the clan, there's some people who gives them status who are low status men, and, and now they're, okay, they, they have a, a cause, that's, and you, I'll just, let me just finish like, quickly. They meet the guy, he's like, this guy's a cool dude. This is an, of fundamentalist faith. It is a yeah. very different paradigm, in my opinion. I was going to say, that's exactly what Daryl said. Okay. That when he would talk to these Klansmen and they would hang out, later when these guys were at the meetings and they would say these things about black people, he'd go, that's not at all like Daryl. Daryl's doesn't act that yeah. way. As long as and you have one, your entire narrative falls apart. Yeah. But these, the, but then in, in terms of the fundamentalist faith, I guess the shield is don't ever talk or listen to anybody of Ever. course, because that's how that's Satan and the apple, right. because they're going to tempt you into faith 
into into sin. They're gonna they're sending temptation to make you fall away. You need to stay with us and remain pure, whereas that is the impurity and that's the slippery slope. One day you're listening to Ben Shapiro, the next day you know Mein Kampf inside and out, as the New York <laughs> Times told us. But they're told this with a straight face. Have, have, by right. hold on, by a reputable new reputation. No one's gonna deny the New York Times a great reputation. And if the New York Times is telling me on A1 that if I'm reading Ben Shapiro on Monday, I'm gonna be full uh, getting swastika tattoos on Saturday. Are you saying the New York Times doesn't know what it's talking about? You call Mr. Propellerhead. <laughs> you, right. you you call you you refer to the media as the cathedral. Is that, is that the cathedral is broader than the media. The cathedral is the universities, the media, and entertainment, and, and the government. Yes. And so this is but this is like the leftist SAW fundamentalists. It's an actual a progressive faith that has its roots in the social gospel of Woodrow Wilson and, and even a little earlier. Yes, and this has been the governing. Uh, as I talk in my book. People think America is a secular society. America is a more religious society than ever. Just because a religion doesn't have a monotheist central God, Buddhism doesn't have that, right. that does not make it any less of a faith. They have their rituals. They have their televangelists who tell them what to think. Uh, Rachel Maddow, uh, John Oliver, and very, this is literally a religion. They go on their Facebook and spread that day's sermon to yeah. all their congregants. And you're coming into their church and telling, hold on a minute, like, this is church. Sit down and shut up. We know what we're told because you're going to tell me that this man of the cloth is wrong or this lesbian of the cloth is wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'm offended that you would dare come in here and try to spit your sin in my house of purity. I think uh, it's Peter Bogosian who refers to it as a non-theistic religion. Yes, it is absolutely a, a, a fundamentalist absolutely. evangelical faith. I was having a conversation with a prominent uh, online lefty a few years ago, and I was explaining that I view these people as a cult. And then I said, you know, we had, we had a discussion about it, and there's like these rules of culthood. Sure. And, and you know, having, having like a figure. Is, yeah. So I was like, so maybe it's more of a religion. Yes. This individual, you know, disagreed with me. A couple years later, they came back and said everything they experienced with religion was very, very similar to what yes. they're experiencing now, it's like, and it's, it's freaking them out. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the other thing I want people to appreciate. This is something I have enormous disdain for conservatives are. Do not take people and give them your children to raise oh, eight days, five days a week uh, who are you're, they're training their children to hate you. Yep. They re socialists regard your property as their property, but even no more nefariously, they regard your children as yes. their property. You see, they're getting resentful that there might be cameras in these classrooms, yep. and it is a very sick. And this has been by design. They talk about making good citizens. Making good citizens is a euphemism for breaking young minds and making them uh, submissive and obedient, and to have their self-esteem come from an external source. Namely, that mediocre man or woman at the front of the room who your approval is based on whether they give you a grade and it's based on whether they like you or not more often than not. It is a horrible Prussian evil system that's been going on for 100 years. And that is something that really needs to be the next front line among people who, are, who care about their kids. Now, just to say one more thing, a lot of people don't have the option to go to private school, of course. That's where the fight needs to happen. That money has to follow the kid. There need to be more choices for poor people. I was going to ask you about school choice. I mean, I, I'm a for school abolition. I say, I, I have, I have said, <laughs> I many, agree. I have said many times, public schools are literal prisons for children, and the only place many people will ever encounter violence in their lifetimes. And we're told this is a really sick one. It's good that you're bullied because it prepares you for real life. There is nowhere in real life where you are trapped for years 
with someone who is engaged in psychological warfare or physical warfare against you, other than perhaps an extremely abusive marriage. And in that case, there are many venues to help you es- escape it and transition to a healthy life. Whereas here, there's every opportunity, uh, every chance to close the door and make sure you do not escape. It is depraved. And what if the bully is your teacher? Well, the bully, I mean, the, no, no, I said this also. The teachers are the bullies. The teacher's oh. job is to break your spirit and make you submissive and obedient. Here's some things that I have some good teachers. The, I'm sure you do yeah. have some. Here are some things that are, um, uh, we just take for granted that you think about. Your life. Why is it that everyone has to learn in the same way? Why is it that everyone has to be on the same timetable? Because it prepares you for life in corporate America, where everyone mm-hmm. just checks in at 9 o'clock, which makes no sense for yourself employed. Why is it that everyone has to learn the same things at the same rate? None of these things make sense in a contemporary context, but we still do them. I agree. Abolish school. Yes, abolish I, public school. W- uh, and I, the government monopoly on schools. I was homeschooled before kindergarten. Okay. Uh, I, as long as I can literally remember and fathom a thought, my mom was homeschooling me and my siblings. That's wonderful. When I started school, I was just a like just just far course, ahead because you have a fun, you basically ahead. had a tutor who loved you. This you is know, like the right. ideal scenario. So it, it's really funny. When I was in first grade, we there was a math game called Around the World. Oh yeah, where are you familiar with yeah, the yeah. game? You you stand up, then you stand behind the next desk, and the the teacher gives you a flashcard. Whoever answers first gets to move to the next desk. If you if you if you're standing and you get it wrong, you sit down in their seat. Yeah, I'd never lose, and neither would my brother. And so it got to a point where they would ask us not to play it. Because no one was faster than us at these at solving these simple, you know, mathematical equations like just basic addition, multiplication, division. I ended up being uh, just like the best, po- like straight A's across the board. And then I remember when I left Catholic school, went to public school. All of a sudden, it was very different. Now I think the problem I had with Catholic school, and I'm grateful for my experience, was that the Catholic school was so uptight. Everybody walked around with sticks up their butts. Yeah, yeah. Like kids would cry if they if they stubbed their toe. It was like ridiculously weak. The public school was the exact opposite. It was chaos. Like th- these kids were doing nasty stuff. Just you know, there was gang activity and things like that. And so I got to experience a little bit of both. But my parents had had actively been teaching me before, during, and after. When I left, the reason I st- I went to high school for about two months, I think, or a few months. I left um, partly because. I was lied to every step of the way. Yeah. Uh, in eighth grade, they're like, look, look, I know you're upset and unhappy here and you're being held back because you're smarter and everybody and all that stuff. Grade wise, not like, you know, I was a genius at eight, you know, eight years old, but or, I mean, 12 years old. But then they said, when you go to high school, there's going to be every, everything's going to be different. You're going to learn the truth about all of this, you know, stuff, you know, about history. They're going to get more in depth. And then I got there and it was the exact same garbage. Yep. And so I, I was like, I'm not going. And I went from straight A's straight F's yeah and that's when my parents freaked out and they're like something's wrong here yeah and then I went back to homeschooling and so you're very lucky we did this correspondence program I never finished I never got my diploma never got a GED and I I had this very easy realization when I was young the concept of uh, wealth wealth transfer and uh, value is simple the person sitting in front of me is holding a green piece of paper how do I convince them to yeah, let yeah. me hold that green piece of paper? Everything else was irrelevant in terms of all these stupid arguments. It was simply a discussion of, hello, good sir, may I have that dollar? Yeah. And then they might say yes. And I was like, wow. And now I have money. I can do whatever I want with it. And that's how you start a business. And that's the, the fundamental aspect of entrepreneurship. Yeah. But I, I look, my, my, my family were entrepreneurs. 
My dad ran side businesses. He was a firefighter. My mom was tutoring and, and things like that. My grandpa had his own business. And so I was very lucky in that regard. And having uh, a, a mom who, who, you know, she, she tutored me. I watched my friends go to college. They get indoctrinated. It's, it's horrifying. They, 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 they believe all these fanciful lies. You're going to go to college. You're going to get $50,000 in debt, but you'll be making $100,000 a year when you graduate. Yeah, yeah. And they go work at Starbucks. Yes. I, read, I remember when I was, uh, uh, I think I was like 16 or 17, my dad did want me to go to college. And I started reading this uh, uh, economist who wrote an article saying, if you go to any investor and say, for $40,000, in four years, you'll be $40,000 in debt plus interest, they'll laugh in your face. Course, yeah. That's not even a real pr- proposition. Yet we, we do this to all of these college students all day. So I learned something uh, really interesting uh, later on in life when I was probably around like 25 or 26. So this is when I started covering, you know, I was on the ground covering Occupy Wall Street. I had a rising profile. I had, you know, offers for for work and stuff, but I was kind of doing my thing. And I had a friend who told me a story about he tried hiring people for his job. He initially hired college students, but found they were incapable of doing this kind of work because they struggled and always needed direction, could never solve a problem on their own. He went through a few rounds of these employees not understanding what was wrong. And then finally, when he was broke and he said, I can't afford these kids anymore, I'll just hire someone hourly, problem solved. And the people he had hired for hourly moved to California to become actors. And what he said was, I think these kids, they dropped out of high school. They made a decision for themselves. I need to go here to accomplish my goals. Whereas these other college kids were only people who had ever done what they were told to do. Oh, yeah. Of course, because now they've been initiated into this. Uh, it's a caste system. I think, th- I think it's been demonstrated. I don't have the study in front of me, obviously, that by far the biggest divide in America isn't between race. It's between college graduates and non-college graduates. Um, and historically, it's been like, okay, now you've, this is kind of your entree into a certain stratus of society. Uh, thankfully, uh, people like you and, and many others are demonstrating that this is his, uh, you know, a relic of history. It's, it's very hard to teach people, although it's increasingly easy, that it used to be the American dream, the GI Bill, right? No one ever in my family ever went to college. My daughter's going to college. My son's going to college. This was a major accomplishment. This is objective proof that our family is getting better, that our kids have it better than us. So it's very hard to knock that idea of these people's heads and be like, you're paying a lot of money for your beautiful teenage daughter to go away and to come back as a swamp walrus with <laughs> unnatural hair yep. who loathes and despises you and will feel comfortable berating grandma at Thanksgiving dinner because she doesn't know how to pronounce the pronoun XIR. Yes. I think I figured it out. I have a theory. Okay. GI Bill. That's a, that's, a, that's a good point. People came back from World War II. Yeah. And they were high school graduates, no degrees, and they raised families. Yes. So then you have the kids of the greatest generation. Was it the boomers? Were the kids? Yeah, that was the boomers. Yeah, the so baby boomers so, so, was the world after World War II. So the boomers, they are growing up in this world where they were raised by a high school graduate. Yeah, they're right. not. They're not told to go to college, right? Because you can raise a family with a high school degree. Yeah, a bunch of these kids become managers and become mid level, you know, mid level managers, sure. and, and and they run stores and businesses, and they're making okay money. Yeah, but then they look at their siblings. They're making six figures, and this is back in the you know the eighties. Yeah, yeah. How are they making so much money? They went to college. Right. I should have gone to college. Yes. Then they tell their kids, you have to go to college. Yes. Because your uncle did, and look how much money he made. Yes. But, they, and, and look, but they're missing something. And he could, just one more thing. And he, get, he looks down on us, and I get why he does. They're missing something, what? though. If you were never told you had to go to college, and you chose to go to college, you made a decision for yourself, and you were pursuing your passion. Sure. It wasn't college that made them wealthy. 
It was their own passion and drive. And college was just them saying, what's the next step in becoming an architect or whatever. Now they've told all these kids to succeed. You must go to college. And those kids don't care and don't know. And they take out massive loans yeah. and they go to school and say, oh, and then the guys, the, 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 the school says, well, we recommend, I guess, I don't know. You want to be a journalist? Oh, well, if, put them in journalism. There you go. Congratulations. If, if the public education system worked as planned, you wouldn't need to go to college because that high school diploma would be proof, not just evidence, proof to most companies that this guy can do a girl can do a great job on day one, that they are skilled. And this is a certificate that has meaning. The fact that a high school graduate is absolutely meaningless in our day and age, including possibly being illiterate, is now like, OK, well, now this is the degree that counts. What they ignore, even if they had the best of interests, which I do not think for a second, is that this is another four years where this person is an ec not an economic benefit to the culture. He's not he or she's not working. They're students. They're net loss to the economy. Economy. So that's what, from, instead of going from 1 to 17, where they're not producers, now it's 1 to 21. Four years in terms of an adult's working lifespan is a significant chunk of that change for them not to be in the job market. And this is an economic cost that they just pretend doesn't matter. You know what kids need? What? Jobs. Yes. Yes. When, so and it gives I, them self-esteem. I, I, said, I said this in, in as a, a vague way as possible to trigger as many of these stupid you know people, but... My family, my mom opened a cafe when I was, I think, nine. And so from nine to 11, I worked at oh, my family you business. You must have been adorable. Absolutely. And Did you have the beanie? No. Uh, I had a Tasmanian devil baseball cap. Did you? Oh, my God. <laughs> How cute. Oh I love God. it. That's so cute. So uh, I worked a register. My mom would show me some of the management stuff. And we would serve, uh, I would make drinks. So I was nine and I knew how to make uh, an espresso, cappuccino, all the stuff. While I was in sixth grade. And guess what else? What? I had cash. I bought my very own Game Boy and Pokemon Red on my own from the tip jar. I don't know who invented Pokemon Red. I'm just trying to figure out how to get Pokemon Red to the polls. Ha ha. Ha Wait, wait. I got to ask you, though. <laughs> when you're nine and you're working the register, it's the cutest thing ever. Is some people ever loved it. Some people hated it. Oh, people. I mean, people weren't fawning over you all the time? Uh, I mean... It was in Boys Town. Okay. And so you had gay men and women being like, this is the most darling thing yeah, yeah. ever. And they'd go to my mom and be like, that's so cute. Oh, my God. He's such a the, grown up. And then there were, the guys didn't care. They'd, okay, they'd sure. be like, thanks for the coffee. And they'd yeah, leave. thanks, kid. Yeah. But there was a couple people who would be like, why is there a kid making my coffee? Okay. But, but typically, like, the women would come in and they'd be, like, smiling. Of course. And I, that's why I made mad tips. Because you must have been so conscientious, too. <laughs> I know. No, right? I didn't think, I didn't think at all. I, I was probably not even sentient. Yeah, but you, but you <laughs> were kidding, by the way. Yeah, but you were still basically doing the job correctly, I'm sure. And, and yeah. you, you knew what you were doing. So it's right. kind of like you tell a kid and the kid delivers. It's, it's kind of impressive. I know, it is. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So it was, it was a family oh. business. My, my mom would be there. My dad would be there. And I made my own money. And I got to, I would, I would, when there was like no one at the counter, it's like th there was a counter and then there would be a table. You know, sure. So I'd come out from, I'd sit down, I'd play, be playing Pokemon. And, or I'd be sitting next to my mom and her friends and they'd be talking politics. And then I would, oh. and I'm sitting right there. Yeah, yeah. Sitting around a bunch of adults, working a real job, learning how to actually live. Yes. And, all, and so I, when I remember when I was in sixth grade, they, they were trying to raise money for a present for the teacher. And they, and they were like, everyone's trying to pitch in a dollar. And I walked up and I was like, how much do you need? And I pulled out a wad of cash. It was like 30 bucks. But for all in singles, <laughs> all in singles. And I had a bunch of pennies, nickels and quarters. My like, uncle was Jeffrey Epstein gave me this. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's he? The guy from Wall Street? Yeah. And then, I, and then I, like, I pull out a dollar. And I'm like, 
here you go. And they're, and then I remember this this one girl in my class, she was like, how do you have so much money? And I was like, I, I have a job. I go to work in my family's yeah. business on the weekends. And it wasn't, it, it, it wasn't a bad thing. Like, I didn't go like, I have to go to work on the weekend. It was like, my mom would be like, hey, come to the coffee house. And I'd be like, okay. And guess what? I would take the bus and the train by myself across the city. Do you know Lenore Skenazy? I do not. She has a book called Free Range Kids. Because what she here, did, here. she was called the worst mom of the year because she gave her son like a dollar and told him, find your way home in New York City. And at first he was freaked, but then when he figured out how to do it, he was like, oh my God, like, I know how to navigate New York. <laughs> That's and awesome. the point she makes is these stories about kidnappings, which was an issue with like Charles Lindbergh in the 20s or whatever it was. Uh, now it's not the case. Uh, maybe it's the case now with, with de Blasio. I can't speak on that. <gasps> but she's like, the, the people in busy areas are look. If there's a kid, people are watching to make sure this yeah. kid is safe. And if like, are you okay, little boy, whatever, so on and so forth. So she talks about this very extensively and how healthy it is as opposed to public schools where your entire mental health is exported to that mediocre person from the room where it's like, I'm at 9, at 10, 11, I'm old enough and big enough to figure out my way around this city and I can handle myself. No one's around me to help me. And I think that's such an empowering message to the kids who aren't, you know, dismembered. One of the, like, I guess most, most powerful revelations kids have is, I can't believe I had to ask to go to the bathroom. Oh, that's the other one. Yeah. I never did. Do you know what happened I, to me in second grade? I, you I don't know. I don't know. No, well, I, I forget. It's been a long time. It's, since it's in my biography, Ego and Hubris, which is a hundred. <laughs> it costs a hundred dollars on eBay now. Oh, nice. uh, second grade. Uh, uh, this this is one of those stories which really solidified my absolute contempt for these people. Uh, <laughs> you had to go to, with a buddy to the bathroom, right? Yeah. I get it. Like you don't want the kids wandering around the halls by themselves. Sure, excuse me. And Miss Yeager, who's not a, a attractive woman, I remember that very vividly. She looked like the, <laughs> the Skeksis from Dark Crystal. I went with David Gaba. And we went to the, we're going to the bathroom and it's one of the things like, you know what? I don't really need to go. So I took some water at the water fountain, came back and she's like, oh, what, what happened? Why are you so quick? And he, me or him told the truth. Like, oh, I didn't go to the bathroom. And she punished me by saying, I'm not allowed to go to the bathroom anymore. And then one day I peed my pants and it was, you know, you're a kid. This is trauma, traumatizing. And we almost got her fired. Wow. But, but it's just like, it's absolutely demented that you have to ask approval to go. I'm not a dog. You know, you know, I, I, I was lucky for her. And now I, I pee my pants all the time. Oh, gosh. No, I know. And it's just, I, oh, here we go. Oh, here no. we go. Here That's, we go. Here we go. We'll just get somebody to clean oh, that up gosh, later. Oh, gosh darn it. You need to I, I remember when I was, uh, I was probably like seven. And uh, we had, we had, I had to wake up at 6.30 because school started at 7. Wake up at 6.30, you know, get washed up, get your backpack, grab a bite, and then run to the store, run to school. I think school started at 7.30 or something like that. And I remember being really unhappy and going, I don't want to go to school. And my dad goes, then don't go. And I went, what? And he goes, don't go. And I was like, but I have to go to school. And he goes, says who? And I was like, uh, I have to go to school. And he's like, your choice. And then I went to school. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was like, I have to. Yeah. And that was, I think that was really uh, a really smart thing to say to me because I knew my responsibilities. And I was like, I can't not go to school. I could, but he, he, he's right. My dad was saying, I, if I didn't, if I didn't, if I, it's, I have to choose and I chose responsibility. And so I went and did that. And that was kind of, you know, I think it's, it's, it's lessons like that. And that's why I became a high school dropout. And it is, <laughs> it is absolutely. Yeah. And it's also why I have a successful podcast. Yeah, yeah. It's all part of this. So uh, it's true. Yeah, you're right. Cause you know when to cut your losses. Oh, absolutely. You know, like this is not providing value to me. I know what I'm worth. Why am I here? 
you know you know what it is it's too though uh and this is is all uh man i i I really am grateful to my parents my mom tutored me and homeschooled me and and gave me the 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 uh perspicacity to uh to function properly i learned that from the simpsons by the way from lisa simpson the word perspicacity (laughs) my my dad gave me uh an understanding of the balance between responsibility and freedom yeah another story that i have is uh i was driving in the car with my dad and we saw what looked like a homeless guy riding a bike and he looked awful disheveled pulling like a little cart full of garbage and i said something like oh that's sad and he goes what is and i was like that man and he goes why is that sad and I was like, because he's homeless. He'd be the happiest guy in the world for all you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. He taught you empathy. You have to, not everything's from your own perspective. Right. Some different people have different perspectives. And so then I think what made me drop out was not cutting my losses, was I need to decide for myself and I need to figure out what I need to do yeah. and no one's going to do for me. And it's, it's really interesting how that, how that translates into the work I do here on YouTube and podcasting in general. Just, I mean, the podcast is, is on a bunch of other platforms as well. But so many people have this, this, this view in their mind that you must be lifted up by someone else and they use jobs and opportunities as stepping stones. Like, hey, Tim, you know Joe Rogan, right? Can you put in a ship? No, it's never going to happen. Dude, don't hit me up. I got an email from someone saying, Tim, we'd really love to get this, this high profile guest on your show. And now I'm talking high profile and I'm like, wow. And then they email, we're really looking to these dates and we just want to know real quick, did you have Joe's email? I'm just like, into the trash you go. I deal with my own business. I do my thing. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, you're not coming here for a stepping stone. These, these people don't realize this. If you want to succeed. I, I came here for a stepping stone. <laughs> did you now? <laughs> I don't believe do, it. Do you have Joe Rogan's email? I want yes. to be, maybe I'll be for, on. For you. Maybe I'll Michael. be on one day. <laughs> my, my, what I, my advice to people is mind your own business. And I don't mean that. In a, I don't mean that in the sense like don't talk to people. Don't network. I'm saying work hard and figure it out for yourself. And, and people will be glad to introduce you to other people because if there's someone who would be a great guest on the show, I wouldn't. Ha- I would not have. If someone asked me to get in touch with you, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. But if I knew someone who I knew you'd be a good guest, you wouldn't have to ask me. I'd be like, Tim, you should check this person out. You could say yes or no, yeah. but you wouldn't also feel weird that I recommended someone who exactly. you could see as possibly a potential guest. A lot of people. Uh, I think it's so transparent, though. They're so heavy-handed with it. It's despicable. And these are these, these are uh, look when when I look at. The SJW types, yeah. they, go, they go to school, they're told what to do. I've tried working with these people, man. Look, I, I, I think the hiring process has to be extremely rigorous. Yes. And a lot of these people that I've worked with can solve no problem. They, they just, they just, they're, right. I mean, they're NPCs in, the, in, in regards where you're like, take this and hit that rock. And they will. Tim, but it, I don't it, need to hire someone to do something I know how to do. It's critical theory, not critical thought. I just <laughs> thought of, I just thought of that. And Ooh, whoever like else that. uses it, you have to credit me. No, it's a, it's a, but that's a good way of conceptualizing yeah, it. it. Is, yeah. But there's, there, there's, there's, <laughs> another, there's another aspect to that, too. There are other people who are not SJWs who spent their entire lives in, in school, then college, and they went to, like, good private schools. They're still people who are guided you know, uh, with, with someone in front of them saying, now you do this, Blue now pill. you do this. Blue pill people. They think every screen is a window. But I don't. I don't. But uh, I'm, I'm talking about even conservatives too. Many conservatives yeah. are completely blue pilled. Absolutely. If you yeah. s- think that uh, Candace Owens and Trump, if you sit down with a black person who's a lawyer and you tell them you're on a plantation and this is going to end well for you and is appropriate, you're blue pilled and deranged. Wait, wait, say that one more time. You, if you do the Candace Owens thing, you sit down with a black person who's a lawyer and say, you're on a plantation, you should vote Republican, that this is something that's appropriate or that they're going to be receptive to, you're a crazy right, person. Right, right. 
I certainly think she's had an impact, to be fair. Sure. I, well, assuming uh, the polls are correct, I think there's a lot of... What's Trump's support among black Americans right now? Uh, so there are four polls that put it around 30%. Uh, approval rating or intent to vote? So Rasmussen has likely voter approval. That's not the same. I know, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sh- I wouldn't be surprised if approval rating is 30%. Uh, but my point is, I don't, I don't think that's an effective... W- you, you were early sure, talking sure. about convincing someone to give right. you money. I don't think someone who is at all successful, at, if you talk to them as a white person and say you're in a plantation, this is right. going to be uh, grounds for further conversation. Right, of course, of course. The Socratic method. Yes, Ask them to just define their positions. Yeah, like what is it about him? How do we turn this no into a yes? What is it about him that you hate the most? What is it about him well, that you like the most or are most comfortable with? I can tell you it's not even uh, the, the most effective way that we used to do in, uh, for fundraising. You, 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 you never tell them where you want them to go. You build a rapport with them and then put them in a position where their only option is to go in the direction you want. Okay, but give them so, the illusion of choice, I'm sure. So, right, so a, a, an example would be once you've built that rapport and they view you as the same as them. So, hey, we both supported Obama. High five. Yeah, man. Wasn't Obama such a great president? Isn't Trump so bad? Then you say something like, you know, what the, one of the best things about Obama. And then you go on to cite his foreign policy record. Yeah. And something the average person is going to be like, that is nightmarish. Yeah. You force them to criticize Obama. Yeah. Because you liked it. But Obama did a bunch of really bad foreign policy stuff that if I said, I don't want those quotes taken out of context. You know, you, I'm, I'm sure you know, like drone strike, uh, Abdul Rahman al Of course, the Iran stuff. Oh, totally. You endorse that to somebody and you'll force them to back away. So these are, these are tricks and manipulation. And it's one of the reasons I didn't want to work in, in fundraising because you have to. Yeah, yeah. In sales, you can't be honest with people. Right. Because people will react emotionally. Yeah, you're manipulating towards a goal that they're not aware that is their goal. I didn't, last, goal. I, I, I didn't last very long at any one of these companies, to be completely honest, because I, was, I felt like... I could go to any one of these nonprofits and finally find the place where I could be honest. Yeah. And I did. And I remember, uh, I remember one time I was, I was pitching a guy on a homeless shelter and the, the uh, charitable rate to administrative rate was 50-50, which is garbage for a nonprofit. Like the good nonprofits, 90% of your dollar, 90 cents, goes to the, the that's charitable amazing. Okay, wow. That's, isn't there a website that tells you which charities are good and which ones are there, bad? Yeah, is, yeah. Is and, and the big ones one. are usually bad. Yeah, like, like Susan Coleman is not notoriously bad. I don't know. I think so. Yeah. Like the, the, they pay the CEO massive salary. Yeah. And there's arguments for why they do that because they have to be competitive with good, with good sure. leaders and they are businesses. But I remember a guy saying, you mean to tell me if I give you a buck, 50 cents is going to go into a, a manager's pocket? And I, and I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. But look at the other number. See that? That number that went to the kids? Could be zero. And he went, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, that'd be bad. And I'm yeah. like, right, look, we got to pay for the, the company, man. <laughs> like, right. So we're, we're getting as much as we can. And I, I prefer to be honest. They didn't like it. They actually straight up told me to lie like every time. And so I left the industry because wow. I'm like, I'm not going to go out here. And, and I'm, I thought I was fighting for something good. And that's ultimately why I quit. Just I, I didn't want to, to work in that kind of environment. But imagine everything that's going on with politics. Like we, we opened this, uh, this, this show talking about how the Atlantic is playing defense for Joe Biden. Yeah. And one of the things we didn't actually me- mention, there's a new story that came out from the Washington Post and a bunch of other outlets. 93% of all of the protests have been peaceful. Yeah. How convenient at a time when we're actually starting to get angry about the violence and the destruction and regular people are waking up to how insane it is. 93%, yeah. 93%, it's all I, peaceful. I made this point on Twitter. I made it to you earlier. If I kill someone once, it is the corporate press is factual but not truthful. Yeah, if right. I kill someone once, I am mostly peaceful. 364 days of the year, I kill no one. <laughs> do you know what they, else they do? This is an amazing one. When they talk about like uh, um, terrorism, 
and they talk about Muslim terrorism versus like white male extremist terrorism, and they start at 2002. It's like, why don't you start in 2002? Did <laughs> anything happen in 2001 that might skew the data one way or another, and, possibly? And what year do they choose for uh, for white supremacy? What year? What uh, can you give me the specific year? I don't know which one you're talking about. I'm talking uh, the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. right, yeah, yeah. With they, Timothy McVeigh, was that like '94? Something like that. Yeah, they, they go back. Yeah, so it's always like since this date. Yeah. Oh, since that date, huh? That's arbitrary. So, it, wait, so it's factual but not truthful, and the same is like okay, seven percent. If you have a billion protests and seven percent are violent, that's really bad. If you have a hundred protests and seven percent are violent, that's bad, but nowhere near as bad. Percentage is a completely an irrelevancy when we're dealing with people being killed. Yeah. Burnis- businesses, the Amer- This is why I have so much contempt uh, for De Blasio and Cuomo and many such other people. Which is, there's nothing more American. We've all been told, especially by the Cuomos of the world, the Fredos of the world, where you have the family that comes over, mom and dad put together a business. Maybe mom's a good cook. They have a restaurant dry cleaning, grocery store, all the typical immigrant jobs. These were the first people put out of business by this yep. COVID nonsense. And there's no uh, uh, responsibility for what you've done to them. Uh, there's not going to be any restitution. And now when their businesses are burnt down, they're told, sit down and shut up. You have insurance. Yep. You built something with your hand, with your hands. This is your dream, blood, sweat, and tears. And the question is, well, you got to check. Why are you complaining? Are you insane? You you people that, are m- monsters. Yeah, like this 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 desk we have and these walls and everything. So Adam actually put these walls together. I, I bought the, the 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 fake vinyl slats though. That's that was my kind. Okay, but no. So uh, everything that that this studio is built upon was incremental for me. It wasn't like one day I just knew exactly what sure, I needed to buy. Sure. And so if everything that I've put together was destroyed overnight, insurance would never rebuild it. Yeah, of course. There's not. no one I can hire to but do that job. But just also emotionally. Right, right, it's right. Like right. It's, you're going to get another spinning fake circular earth? No. Fake circular earth? Yeah. Spherical, yeah. <laughs> it's not really round. Yeah. We would lose the UFO. But we, we, we have uh, uh, like that life-size Trump I suppose I could replace. Yeah. We have a life-size, car- life-size cardboard Trump someone sent but, us. But it's also there's, like, there's, are you going to buy the same thing the second time? It's, it's, right. not this, it's gone. It's not the same one. Yep. I actually have uh, just over there under a desk a whole bunch of objects of historical value oh. from news events that I've covered. Okay. So one example is the police. So I lived I lived on the street where the, the cops got executed by the black supremacist okay. in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. And the police oh, tape, wow. I walked out my door and I took the police tape and I ripped a piece off and brought it inside. And I was like, this happened. This is, you know, it's kind of like I can look at anyone. Were of the these. ones who were shot in their ha- in the yep. car? Oh my gosh, wow. I lived on I that street. That story. Oh my yeah, God. And, yeah, Did yeah. you hear the gunshots? No. Okay. No, I heard the helicopter 20 feet above my house, though. Okay. When the cops came in, they wouldn't let me leave my house, but I left my house and I went and filmed it. <laughs> uh, these objects I have can never of be replaced. Impossible. Of course. But I can look at them and I know that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. So, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of that. I look at that and it's, it's like tying a ribbon, uh, uh, you know, a rubber, uh, tying a string around your finger. It's yes. like a ribbon around a tree. I've got a whole bunch of... I got the newspaper from St. Louis the day they uh, announced no charges for, for Darren Wilson. I, I'm a pack rat also. I have, every, like every, I have every book I've ever read. I'm digitizing them some now. But when you hold it, this is a part of your life that can never be replaced. And, what it's, and if it's your business, like this is your dream, I, 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 for, I, this for gets me, me very upset. These, these objects are beyond me. It's, 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 it's also it's, history, yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's like this happened. Yeah. And I can show this to someone and tell them the history of these things and these conflicts. And if that was destroyed... 
Never. Yeah, of course. They're, these, they're, are t- these are talismans. Beyond value. Contemporary talismans. So they, they not, not only that, but the insurance uh, only covers a certain number. So what, one story that came out of Minneapolis is that the debris removal for many buildings was over, over 100K. Insurance only covers 25. Oh, my God. Nobody thought they were going to demolish their entire building and yeah, haul yeah. all the debris away. Yeah, yeah. So now they're out of business permanently. Then you, you, you have a combination of COVID and the riots. And that's why I'm just like, look, man. The Republicans have resisted the lockdowns, and Trump has been straight up law and order the whole time. Yeah, the Democrats have been go protest, woohoo, and uh, lock it all down. It's immediate, extremely important that we all stay home, and now it's extremely important that we all take to the streets, and now right. it's extremely important we all stay home. Yep. The, and I'm going to say something else. I, I tweeted this out earlier this week. I'm guessing it's going to be around 2023, 2024 when we start having necessary discussion about how do you have personal consequences for these people who do these things? Because without personal consequences, they will do it again in a second because their incentives are all there. And until that happens, and it's not gonna be voting them out of office, this is going to continue. And that's gonna be a very disturbing conversation to have. Should, should, we, should there be a grand jury indictment for Cuomo for putting sick patients into nursing homes, killing 6,500 elderly? I am not in a position to say what I think should be done with <laughs> Governor Cuomo. Say that on the air. <laughs> not publicly, at least. I'm not. And I'm there's, not there, joking in the slightest. There's a lot of governors um, who were putting sick people mm. in nursing homes. Yes. And thousands upon thousands of people died yes. because of this. But then if you left your house without a mask, you want to kill grandma. Yeah, what right. the heck? See, you want to kill grandma, but I'm actually doing it. <laughs> And Cuomo is fighting tooth and nail, understandably, to fight, have any uh, investigation, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I know, I know you're against voting, but for me, this was, all of these things were a big catalyst for me being like, I, we got to vote him out. I mean, if, if anything I can do, I can cast a ballot. I'm not saying it's the only thing that can be done. I do a show to millions of people sure. and like, tell them, like, look at these things that are happening. Something must be done. But at the very least, I can say no to these people. And if that's the one thing I can do to start, it's a good start because I'm I'm worried about what happens. I'm worried about a good finish. Oh yeah, <laughs> have you a good start. some some of the statements made by individuals, uh, higher profile right wing groups and right wing militia groups, the things they've said. I'm like, I hope saying no, it's the best thing I can do, and if we all do it, it can prevent the worst to come. I, the worst I, that is to come. I, I I I'm not even talking about violence. I just mean the fact that an indictment, whatever. It's just absolutely in- crazy that someone can do this much damage. I, I had a poll on my Twitter. I said, who has done more damage to New York City, Muhammad Atta or de Blasio? And, oh and, and de Blasio won 90 <laughs> to 1, but it's it, 90 to 10. And it, but it's indisputably true. I've been there all my life. And I'm telling you, Tim, it is devastating and heartbreaking. Here's the other thing. This, this got me so upset. I was like literally shaking. Ha ha ha. But not really. Um, I was actually literally shaking. A couple of weeks ago, I was very tired. And I'm just kind of tired it wouldn't go away. And I'm like, wait a minute, maybe I have COVID. And I talked to my buddy Jay and he goes, no, 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 you can't have it. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it's down to 100 cases in New York City a day. There have been no deaths for like two months. No death. Yeah. And I go, you can't be serious. He pulls up the data and I'm sitting there. I'm like, for two months, there's been no deaths. And yet you have entire industries filled with low uh, uh, uneducated, often low-skilled people, where are they supposed to go? It's just they're, they're destroying New York. Yes. And they're blaming Trump for it. Yes. Cuomo how many, just said how if many, Trump comes here, he better have a bunch of bodyguards. An army. How, no, no, no. He uh, said the, uh, bodyguards wouldn't be enough. He better bring an army. How 
dare you talk about and then how dare you talk about this with the you are normalizing violence against the president of the United yeah. States as the governor you're saying well I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if a bunch of people like th- th- force violence on you how many people it's your job to many, keep him safe he's a New York resident or he many, was until recently how many people died in New York from covid I don't have the number. Is it like... Uh, Wasn't like 25,000, but then those numbers that. are skewed because now we're finding that they died with COVID as opposed to died of COVID. No, no, they, they died from COVID. Okay. So uh, this is something that a lot of people confuse, but I think uh, Lydia clarified this having actually been a fancy doctor. Yeah, so if you had something else and you died of COVID, they counted you as having died with COVID, which is, I believe, well, pretty standard operation. Okay. Well, so No, but specifically yeah. the uh, 94% thing that came out, mm-hmm. comorbidities. Yeah. So... A comorbidity doesn't mean you died of the comorbidity. Right, exactly. It's you just, died of COVID. It's, it's a comorbidity. It's yeah. something that you died along with. The, here, here, here's, here's, here's the argument. It's that if you're obese, you'll live. If you're obese and you get COVID, COVID is likely to kill you. Okay. Yeah, so these people, uh, we, we knew this from the beginning, that people who had comorbidities or were in vulnerable groups were much more likely to die from COVID. Yeah. But I, I think when you look at the data... And a lot of the arguments now coming from even some reputable, I say reputable, wink, wink, news sources. What I mean by that is, are they actually credible? But they, yeah. are, they are mainstream. They're saying that something happened, but it ended a while ago, a few months ago yeah. at least. Yeah. And now the argument, I suppose, from many of these leftists is, oh, but it's only because we're locked down we're not seeing it. As opposed to the fact that the Sunbelt sun belt bump never yeah. escalated. It, 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 it bumped a little bit and gone. So now there's, there's, there are some prominent outlets saying we believe we've reached herd immunity. The CDC changed their guidelines. Then Fauci was like, oh, harumph, I say. And then there are some jurisdictions that have completely opened up that were previously locked down, suggesting, yeah, we should, be, we should have been good to reopen a while ago, at least substantially more than we've already done. But for whatever reason, they want to, to destroy and make sure that these businesses cannot ever come back. You know the reason. The reason is they enjoy their sense of power. And I, I also said this, I also tweeted this out, which is whether we like it or not, some very evil people now have some very useful information about how much Americans will put up with. I, I think it's also that they're cowards and they don't want any responsibility at all. Of course. The, the so, incentives are all against it opening up. It's exactly. more like if there's a death, it's going to be on my shoulders. If it's a business loss, I can shrug my hand. I can yep. you know, shrug. So, and yeah. same with COVID. Yeah. The incentives are completely, so, that's why it's so disturbing. What I think is happening uh, is that, did, did you read Matt Taibbi's piece recently? He just published it about uh, the Trump era sucks and needs to end. I read the first paragraph and it got me angry. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. It's really he, good. I, I agree with you. I'm sure it is good. But the point he made in that first paragraph, and I don't know if this theme of the whole piece, was he was saying that, uh, a lot of lefties who come from liberal arts colleges have never been in a sales meeting. So when they hear Trump talk and say these absurdities, it doesn't resonate with them. And they're like, I've never heard anything like this. And we need to get away from th- that culture and back to our culture. And my point is, if you're asking me to choose between the salespeople and the Ivy League grads, this is not a hard choice. And we need to do everything in our possible, possible in our power to avoid that because the first college president to become president was who? What? Woodrow Wilson. Oh, there you so go. it all goes full circle. And you have people who are morons, who are not, not highly educated, like Ronald Reagan from Eureka College, who ends the Cold War without firing a shot. And I'm using the term more in here, ironically. There's, 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 there's a great part of this article he writes where he says, the, 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 the media, like, uh, he essentially says the cycle functions like this with the media. 
Trump will say something. Yeah. The media within seconds will immediately assert the opposite with, without evidence. Yes. But claiming Trump is the one who's trying to kill people. Yes. And he says, call this the hydroxychloroquine effect. Yeah. The president sees some news reports from some, some outlets claiming there's some prominent studies. Then he boasts and brags about it. Then the media immediately declares he's trying to kill people. Then you discover uh, a day later that Trump actually said, what do I know? I'm not a doctor. Yeah. And the media omitted that to make it seem like he right. was telling people to run outside and mainline hydroxychloroquine. Yes. And it, I laughed. It's, it's hilarious. Now, Matt doesn't like Trump, but that <laughs> Here's another one the I, nail on the I head, pointed man. out. Back in May, he had everyone tweeting, I am, hashtag I am Antifa. People who had never heard of Antifa the week prior <laughs> no. were now in a position to lecture their Facebook friends about this organization. This movement doesn't really exist. But if it did exist, it's just like you and me. So I would encourage people <laughs> to go back and look at any blue checks who blue checked I am Antifa and ask them follow up. Do you still consider mm-hmm. yourself a member of Antifa? What a great question. Who was uh, uh, was it Keith Ellison? Ellison's son? Was holding, well, Keith Ellison was holding up the book. But then yeah. his son said if somebody I think it was Keith Ellison's son. Somebody said when Trump said he, he wanted antifa to be labeled domestic terrorists then a bunch of people were like i am antifa okay. and yeah it was the same I, I think yeah, yeah 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 so it's like i mean bill barr is straight up said they investigate their activities as domestic terror yeah and with good reason with good reason i'm not a fan of these uh uh the laws that ascribe that that like uh are, are motives are prerequisite to breaking a crime when the crime is already a crime you know sure. what i mean like if you go around beating people and threatening them and coercing them you know you're breaking the law yeah to slap on an additional like well but you did it because there was a different reason sure, sure. like hate crime That's laws fair. too i agree i'm like if it's illegal it's illegal right you know what I mean? if you kill someone because you're prejudiced or you kill someone because they're screwing your wife it's it's these are murders yeah right right exactly and i i think we should have equality under the law so i'm not i'm not sure if i'm a big fan of charging people as terrorists instead of just like harassment I don't, stalking I think about charging but if you regard them and, and you look at that strategically and have people yes, who, are impl- who are undercover and, and keep an eye because that happens with, with you know racist radical groups as well it should and all these uh, Muslim radical groups as well it should it's like okay let's have our guy in there or at least someone a neighbor keeping an eye on them to make sure things don't get out of hand let them have their meetings but it, once things you know go there's nuts a, there's, there's another reason why I don't like tribes don't want to be a part of tribes and don't want to don't like voting for people I don't want to be a part of any group you know for th- this is this is I, I gotta say I've done my homework, and what's happening now has made me feel like I have to vote for Trump, at the very least. But but again, I I have to stress, the the, the people that I often talk to who complain about Republicans, like, but Trump this and that, and I'll be like, Trump is very different from what the Republicans are. I think the Republicans are awful, completely awful. But I just think, the way I kind of view it now, Trump is a bull that he was unleashed into the ivory tower, and he's just stomping around, running upstairs, kicking, you know, and, and these, these Ivy League, you know, ivory tower elites are like going and like running around frantic yeah and if you help them kick the bull out they will lock the doors and never let anyone in again yes they will take steps to make sure this happened once this and they will tell you this was a fluke we know it's a fluke because it only happened once and america came to its senses four years later and now we got to take steps to make sure this fluke is not possible again and just one more thing the republican party will do everything in its power to make sure there can't be another trump nominee yes so if they sent you a video from the Tower of the Bull snorting and kicking over vases, it looks terrible, doesn't it? Sure. Yeah, but what happens if the bull stays in and finally pushes them out? Bull gets tired, bull eventually leaves, and now the people can come in. The establishment that wants to lock down control are getting support from progressives in this country who I'm surprised they should be sitting back laughing at the establishment getting trounced all over. Let Trump, you know, Trump is not that bad. 
Let him, let him, you know, run, run his course, push back on the extremism. I guess a lot of these progressives are identitarian, so sure. they're, they're trying to accept their victories as well. The way I see it is after Trump, if the establishment is pushed out and weakened beyond an, any repair, well, then maybe we can actually start having real conversations beyond what Trump is or was. But if he gets kicked out, then you're going to have the same corporate crony, Wall Street, whatever elites locking the doors and no one will ever get in. Yes. And that's I mean, there, this is how disingenuous there was. There was an article recently that says, oh, my gosh, all these Republican national security advisors with all this history behind <laughs> them are endorsing Biden. And then I just retweeted. I go, this happened four years ago under Hillary. Like we all remember this, that it was like all everyone in the war party machine, Republican or Democrat, yep. were for Hillary. Right. And this is like, this, what a big deal. We've told you what to do. Vote for her. Everyone agrees. And it's like, Biden, it's happening with Biden. This has never happened before. No, it literally happened last time, yeah. you liar. <laughs> there was a, a, a news report, six mayors from Iron Range cities endorse Donald Trump. You know, you're familiar with the Iron Range? No, I'm not. It is the second biggest Democrat stronghold in Minnesota. Okay. It is the Democrat farmer labor party territory. Okay. Oh, wow. Very That's left. lefty. That's socialist left. Not all of them endorsed Trump. Some of them actually pushed back. But when I saw that, and then I, someone sent me, I, I said, wow, look at this. You know, all these union, these, these union towns endorsing Trump. Someone sent me, but look at the Republicans endorsing uh, Biden. And the Republicans were all former, you know, mm -hmm. intelligence. And mm -hmm. I said, if you're if you're telling me I have to choose between the union laborers and some spooks, yes. do you know it's not a hard choice. Right. Like I'll take the union guys any yes, any day. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not I'm not interested in these this intelligence guys. This is the KGB. <laughs> I'm not joking. This I mean, these organizations have secret police who spy on American citizens. They listen to our phone calls grossly unconstitutionally. Snowden just showed that this program was based yep. on lies, and we're supposed to smile and nod and regard them as patriots. I left Russia. But I guess I brought it over with me. I, I'm kind of hoping that if Trump gets reelected, one of the first things he does is pardon Snowden and, and Assange. And also um, and legalize Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, I'm like, yes. Uh, um, Ross Ulbricht. I don't know a whole lot about that. But from what I've read, the whole thing seems fairly messed up. Yes, it's, it's very much so. I had his mom Lynn on my show and it was a very but touching episode. Do you think Trump would just pardon all these individuals or commute? Sentences? I don't think it's remotely implausible. And it, you know what? He might even do it if he loses. That's true. That's true. You know, what's funny is... Uh, and also the I marijuana think, people. Yes. I think Glenn Greenwald brought this up because somebody was like, why would Trump pardon Assange? Because everyone thought he would. And, he, and he, he said something like, maybe it's because Assange exposed the intelligence agencies that were yeah. spending years, you know, screwing with his presidency and yeah. causing him problems. And now he's angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, uh, we, and we, we play with the bull, get the horns. This is what I really, really hope. I hope if Trump gets reelected that we see my favorite side of Trump, the vin petty vindictiveness. <laughs> One of the best moments of the Trump presidency was when Nancy Pelosi yes. and all of them were going overseas <laughs> and he made them literally turn the bus around and saying, you're not getting on the plane. Wait, wait, we all saw that you heard the curb your enthusiasm music in your head <laughs> as they were getting off the bus it was pornographic Did, didn't they drive around in circles for a while i think they, they so yeah they, they know what to do, do. <laughs> it was amazing it's like dun, 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 Dude, da, 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 <laughs> i've never been uh, uh a fan of trump's and, and he did this a lot earlier on he's very bombastic very offensive and angry and he's chilled out a whole lot but i gotta tell you there is something magical to seeing crony establishment millionaires yeah, getting and billionaires and billionaires getting comeuppance. Yeah, Hillary, uh, uh, not Hillary. I'm sorry, Nancy Pelosi, who's been in. Well, actually, yes, I was going to Hillary Clinton. I laughed so hard when he won because it was like at, at the time in 2016, I was I was for Bernie, and then Bernie kind of let me down in a lot of ways. But when Hillary lost, it was like all of your dirty games and your arrogance yes. Yes. has just 
you know. Remember that tweet? Happy birthday to this future president yeah. a few days before the oh, election. Oh, man. Happy See, birthday, bitch. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I was told no cursing. I almost got through. Oh, man. No, we don't say no cursing. Okay. We just say, like, keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, sorry. YouTube sorry. will, you know, punish you. But there, there's something we'll magical. Take it out of post. This is this is why this is why a lot of people like Trump because finally you had someone in your corner telling all of these saying all of these things that you wish you could say to them, and he's saying it. Well, also the fact that this sense of that the vote is kind of a formality. All the smart people agreed. No Fortune 500 company yep. executive. This co- this college, this club from Yale, which has never endorsed anyone from president. National Geographic, all these random places. Listen, we told you what to do. Now get in that booth and do it. And people are like, yeah, I don't want to. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm an American. I have a finger on each hand and I'm going to use them. So there you go. I guess we'll see how it plays out. I, Those I, debates are going to be amazing wow, could you imagine i, I you can't imagine. handle it i gotta tell you it's not at all impossible biden does perfectly fine it's not impossible what do you think's going to happen when trump says listen we have had for months far left anarchists in this country joe excuse me excuse me joe you your campaign bailed them out and so did kamala harris no 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 you supported them you supported them did you Pasobic tweeted out that they're thinking Biden's team of having him take a knee at the debate? I heard that I because that. he's done that at a church before. There's, there's a fo- yeah, he won't be able and to get I up. I desperately hope that happens. Yeah, we'll see I it. desperately <laughs> hope he takes a knee. Yeah, it, it's it's just gonna be like okay, like you. This is if you want to be signaling to the America, go ahead, go do it. Mm-hmm. Trump will and it just it'll it's he it, might pee on what, him literally what, what did joe say mike tyson fighting a three-year-old oh my gosh <laughs> could you imagine that I, no no i don't listen i don't want joe biden did bested sarah palin not that she's a genius yeah. but he uh, paul ryan was no dummy yeah but this was, he, this was a long time ago man I'm, the point is there is a track record and he was in the senate for many years there it's still there in his brain so it's not at all a given that he's going to be there and literally crap his pants on stage, mm-hmm. as I'm predicting. I think Trump is going to. It's going it's, 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 it's to be. It, a, you're also forgetting there's a third person there. That's the moderator. And it's very, very plausible that yeah. that moderator will be doing Joe's being like the, the switch hitter or whatever you yep. want to call it. And be like, oh, when he said this and just completely mischaracterized remember when and Anderson, training the audience. Remember when Anderson Cooper. I can't remember exactly what it was, but he basically a- answered the question in his question. Yeah. I can't remember who he was talking to, but he was like, this whole thing happened and here's why and here's what it means. Your thoughts? Yeah. It's like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> I agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take super chats. Okay. Yes. We went a little long because we were having a lot of fun. Yeah. So we'll just try and raise my super don't, chats as we can. Don't speak for me. <laughs> yeah. No. My, my, we, we can this tell. is torture. Hell on yeah. earth. <laughs> First, do you want to you, you you mention your show or Twitter? Or sure. Michael or? Malice on Twitter. My books are Dear Reader and then you write and uh, YouTube channels, youtube.com slash Michael Malice official. There you go. And of course, we do the show Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. live. So smash that like button if you have not already. We are we are dramatically under liked. So we would appreciate yeah, that. Come on, guys. And uh, uh, let's read uh, let's read super chats. Okay. So we got Lauren who says it's a big super chat. How much? Two hundred bucks. Nice. Ooh, Russia does not trust the West historically. Russia has always been Western Europe's whipping boy. Yes. The West picks on Putin because they're punching down. Remember, we're still in the generation that won the Cold War and got incredibly cocky afterward by building the EU in Warsaw Pact uh, countries. You have, you, have, you have any thoughts on that? Because I'm not. I, I think he's absolutely right on the money. I think Russia, one of the things they love. I think love, it was a lady. Okay. Lauren. Well, it could be a man. Yeah. Lauren's one of the guys who made this. His name Lauren. Oh, nice. Um, I believe. Uh, one of the things that, that why they like Putin and Mother Russia, where I'm from, 
is because he's restored Russia's status in uh, the, the world as, uh, as a yeah, whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big thing for that. I heard he wants to re- recreate the Soviet Union, essentially. I mean, that's the big knock against him yeah. from like the, a lot of these neocons. I don't know that that's really true. But, there is but like, he certainly wants to be uh, recreate the sense of Russia's grandeur. Like a trade federation. Yes, yes. That kind of stuff, yeah. yeah. Tassan says, how's it going? I sent him a message on Instagram. Name is Tassan. I hope you see it. I talked about my opinion and opinion of some of my friends. It is Lauren. Lauren did make this hat. Sorry. Oh, excellent. From the Marine Corps, if civil conflict breaks out, thanks for everything. I will check that out. That sounds very interesting. Thanks for the message. Sheriff says, hi, Mike. Hey, Michael, which pre-Obama president would have had the best Twitter account? That is a great question. Let's go through (laughs) them. Um, Bill Clinton? uh, Pre-Obama. Clinton, I don't think so. I think Clinton was a very phony. And, and, yeah. and he, he, Twitter is much more raw. It's certainly not going to be Coolidge. It might be Warren Harding. Jeez. Warren Harding was a drunk and a lech. <laughs> well, he knocked up the woman, Nan Britton. She was, this was like the first like contemporary presidential scandal. Only recently did the descendant take DNA to prove that he was, in fact, wow. the father. He was accused of being our first Negro president. They ran a campaign that said he had Negro blood. Whoa. This was proven to be false. Oh, I know who it would be. Oh, this is an easy one. Sorry, Teddy Roosevelt. Oh, Teddy yeah. Roosevelt had so many quotes. He was, I, I, th- I despise him, but he was such a badass and was so aggressive. And he was worried about like uh, um, uh, nincompoops and all these weird terms. <laughs> like he would be the best one easily. There you go. Made for Twitter. Yeah. Akabat says, are any of you aware of the recent social justice inroads into the military government? For example, legally labeling yeah. BLM a non political speech. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen during the election if social media really cracks down on dissenting speech? Uh, you're much more plugged in on social media than I am. So you're the one so, who went after Joe, uh, went against Joe Jack Dorsey and Rogan, obviously. Joe Jack. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the conservatives are greatly uh, overconfident in their ability to win a conflict. Yes. Because, of their, uh, because they don't realize their disadvantage in communications. So I think. Verizon and AT&T would ban anybody in a moment's notice. Oh, yeah. And they would, they would argue national security in two seconds. So come election time, Mark Zuckerberg has already sided with the narrative of the left that the election is going to be totally fine even if we can't determine a winner for weeks, which is not totally fine. So what's going to happen is there's going to be impropriety. We've already seen it across the country. And I think they're prepping us for it so that we say these things. Then when we're like, hey, we're seeing these problems and Trump comes out and says, what's going on in, you know, uh, in Florida is a disgrace. These mail-in ballots they're finding, banned. Then you'll only ever hear the left narrative. What's really funny on Reddit, for a long time, they've, there, there's been a meme called the left can't meme, which I'm yeah, sure you've heard of. Of course, yes. Did you know that on Reddit, however, the prominent subreddit that often makes the front page is called the right can't meme. And it's full of fake memes that no one is sharing. Wow. And it makes it seem like the right is really, really dumb. Although, to be fair, I've seen some of these boomer con memes. They're and they are, they're, they're the torture. It's but, literal but, tor- human rights violations. <laughs> sure, sure. 80 oh, pages of text. Right, 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 right. But they're not in any way prominent. Correct. They're, they're not, so where do these people find these memes that no one shares? Well, I think something else that talks, speaks to the question is how they were been, we, they stopped banning people for an extended period of time. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's people I'm not thinking of. But the fact that they went after Carpe Donctum after not verifying him, the guy who makes the memes that the president yeah. shares, and they just like, oh, copyright violation. They were setting the pages, uh, the stages, excuse me. You had all these cathedral operatives referring to doctored videos. It's a meme. You're all using the same right. term doctored, yep. which implies deception. When President Trump in a WrestleMania clip is body slamming <laughs> CNN, 
<laughs> no one looks at that and says, so CNN the network has become incarnate as a person <laughs> with the logo as a head mm-hmm. and the president is body slamming him. This confuses yeah, me. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's become f- incarnate. Yeah. So the fact that they are taking out uh, prominent figures like that should be very disturbing because we're one step away. And I think the EU has passed laws to this effect. We're making memes is illegal yeah. because that is one of the most effective ways at delegitimizing their authority because it's not I'm going to argue with you it's I'm going to demonstrate you're an awful person who should be the object of derision not someone to disagree with merely we got another one Austin Trammell says heard rumors of Antifa scouting out small New Hampshire towns and I'll make them turn uh, and I'll make them turn back we got a lot of weapons how would a regular Joe like me get on the show I'm 20 and for Trump 100% many uh, maybe many regular people can get together spin the saucer so one thing we, we do what we are planning on doing in the future is getting regular people. That sounds like a nightmare. Well, the challenge is vetting people. Okay. But the idea is, I, I don't like, I'm, I'm, I'm really anti-elitist. I'm very pro-elitist. You're pro-elitist. I'm a hard, I have a piece of Alexander Hamilton's hair in my house. I'm not oh, even joking. Yeah. I like the idea of, you know, uh, look, I've had a lot of conversations with people who just work normal jobs who aren't into politics. Sure. They're and, great people. But hearing what they think is going to be extremely insightful for people when you're trying to tr- when you're trying to track opinions and you've got this class of people that are plugged in politicos who read the news all day. Sure. Our opinions are so far removed from regular people. Sure. Uh, OK, so trying to find vetting is the problem because you might get some dude who comes in and starts talking about just um, a lizard people. And, you know, it's like, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I saw a guy and his eyes went you know crazy. And I'm like, uh, maybe you should we shouldn't have done this. Yeah. So just finding, you know. Just like regular people who are, you know, they follow the news a little bit. They're not out of it is one of the things we're going to, you know, try to do. I'm doing everything in my power to pray to Loki, the god of mischief, that someone gets (laughs) past the radar and just just trolls you hard. Why would you do this to me, Michael? It'll be Uh -uh. so good. No, No, I'm praying right now. Loki, listen, you know you answer my prayers. Do this for me. (laughs) The only real concern is finding someone who, you know, it turns out that they're an unrepentant racist and immediately start screaming insane things. We got to throw them out. If someone of came course. in talking about lizard lizard people, I'd, I'd what be. What if that if they I'd just so told amazing. meandering stories that didn't really pay off? Well, that's fine. That's like <laughs> they called out the Michael Malice show. <laughs> yeah. So that's so so this was you're, you're you need to hear this man because this is really important. I, I want I was once uh, uh, on my way to McDonald's. And this is very when I was walking there, I actually came across a dog. Now, the dog, I couldn't tell what kind of dog it was, but the guy who was with him, his phone started ringing and I could overhear on the phone. There was some guy talking about some kind of box factory. Was, I think actually I think it was a storage place. So anyway, that storage place, it turns out and they just go on forever. Right. Five bees for a nickel, I'd say. Yeah. And they just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, you know, that's, gonna, what I, well, that's what I want. We're going to try and find maybe like, you know, regulars for the show that we see okay. and know that are interested because uh, do not email me asking to get on Tim's show. I'm not going to do it. Do and it. if you're a regular person, don't talk to me directly. The anyway. only way we'll book you is if I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> at his email addresses. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're not at the position yet where we can start actually setting up this, uh, but we're, we're getting really close to relocating and setting up a new temporary studio. We're actually getting a, a real studio built. Oh, yeah. that's I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this like addition, addition on my house, and oh, this, is, this, is, this is a um, foam insulation with uh, uh, sound 
foam glue hey, hey, this, is, this is top of the line stuff tim it looks cool don't so yeah, sure, like cool. the budget for it was like 50 bucks yeah it's great oh, okay. <laughs> it's you know, so hey yeah yeah you know well adam made it he did a great job i love how like the the the, the ufo costs more than the entire set That's Definitely. True. yep mm-hmm. we just covered the walls because the walls were boring <laughs> all right let's read some more of these here super chats court J says has anyone noticed that since they arrested epstein's girlfriend we have found and rescued over 50 children Yes, uh, were you the one who was saying that she, you think she's talking? I saw someone tweet that out. I didn't. I didn't say that. Someone said that to me, and I was like, interesting. Maybe yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I I don't understand how someone who has, I think, more than one passport, who's like a French national, British national, is in a position to get herself arrested. I think yeah. this this is very much a situation where she's like, all right, let's cut a deal. That's what makes right. sense to me, at least. Yep. Because yeah. he was she's she was not missing. a dummy. Yeah. yeah she was, and then they finally find her. Yeah. And there's no again, there's no footage of the arrest, and there's no perp walk, as I yeah, pointed out with, with Epstein. Give me a stupid reason as to why there's no perp walk or arrest. You really want that water? Just take it. Fine. Oh, I told you. 10. I told you. Let it take it. Ten oh one p.m. So this is important for everybody listening. It's my supervisor. We 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 normally end the show at ten, and that's when Bucko wakes up. Yeah, and then he becomes adamant that it's you know you're supposed to be done with the show. Give me attention. So yeah. here he is standing. I'll up give him the, attention. Yeah, there you go. There so you so go. We'll, I'm an animal I'll, person. He's we'll nice read some addition. more of these. We got another yeah, one. Please. Dreadnought Consultancy says, Michael, you and Tim are the best out. Yes. Can you please clarify your thoughts on McCarthyism? We're all taught it was a terrible injustice, but I've heard you briefly express a Mm. a contrary opinion. He was a turd, but was he right? Interesting. This is going to be a big part of my next book, The White Pill. Um, What's amazing is the one time in history where the left got canceled is regarded as a crime on a level of... (laughs) A genocide, right? Oh, man. What Ma- they talk about McCarthyism. The House Un-American Activities Committee was the House. McCarthy was the senator. Uh, what we f- and this is something they never forgive Richard Nixon for. Alger Hiss was a big shot at, the, I believe, the State Department, and he was exposed as a Soviet spy. It, they're trying oh, to wow. make it out that people were fired for, like, voting communist. These were people who were secretly involved in preparing for the violent overthrow of our government, seizure of all property, which inevitably led to deaths at orders of millions of people under orders from a foreign government. This isn't a mere difference of opinion. And then the only bad thing that happened to them is that they couldn't get jobs in Hollywood. And the fact that the people (laughs) named, you laugh, but the fact that the people named names and point them out was regarded even 60 years later as unspeakable evil. Who's the evil? The people who are saying we should have uh, uh, the Holodomor, the gulags, and the secret police here, or the ones who are like, you know what? Let's just stick to the demo- to the democratic socialism. Hmm. He is really. Drinking I talk all your about water. this a lot in my next book. Bucko is chugging your water. Let him. Yeah, yeah he's man. thirsty, huh? Yeah, yeah. So Vicidia says, "Wish I had good news, but for Wonder Woman 1984, the villain is based on Trump." Yeah, that's what I heard. They said it in an interview. Producer described the villain as desperate, self-obsessed, fraudulent entrepreneur who runs a business selling the American dream. I'm glad someone's courageous enough to make fun of Donald Trump. I, I know, too. I know. It's really been a yeah. niche that needs to Was it built. you who tweeted that? They were like, the most interesting uh, personality trait a person could have is hating Donald Trump. <laughs> no, that's a great line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. amazing. It's very yeah. rare. Vanishing I can't remember. Rare. I, so Maybe I, Will Chamberlain stole it from somebody. <laughs> I apologize for whoever said that because I'm not giving credit. I can't remember. I saw it on Twitter. I love it. Uh, I, I really don't care, though. Wonder Woman 1984 looks pretty good. I love the trailer and just because just because they say like it's based on you know the villain is based on uh uh, trump doesn't mean it's gonna be a bad movie what about they try to cancel gail gadot because she's israeli i mean these people are out of their minds well they're they'll always find some reason to cancel somebody or something it doesn't you know i would cancel her just for that video she made at the beginning of the lockdown i didn't see oh the social uh, justice imagine yes oh my gosh 
James agrees, says, Michael, please use this money to buy something that brings you joy. Oh, that's possible. How much was it? 20 bucks. 25 bucks. Okay, thank you, James. And if possible, something that simultaneously annoys your haters. Very cool. Oh, I just bought some um, toothpaste, which I don't know, I'm not allowed to mention probably in this show. If you go to my Instagram, Instagram.com slash Michael Malice, there's some uh, toothpaste, which is uh, not politically correct. Did he like eat a bunch of salty food? Because he is chugging. He's trying to bond he likes with me. To yeah, yeah. Drink and I'm socialize. Cool, I'm pretty cool. Yeah, he, he, for cool. some reason, he only drinks our water because I think he trusts it. Like, okay. I'm not drinking that bowl you gave me. I'm drinking what you're drinking. Oh, you're a good boy. <laughs> He's a poison tester. <laughs> you're a good boy, Bucko. Here we go. The one says, "You say the um, you say media is diverting us when it's you the whole time." Everyone wants to know why we <gasps> Did call... Did M. Night Shyamalan write this yeah. super chat? <laughs> but it's well, ending. Everyone wants to know why we call boneless chicken wings chicken wings when in fact they are just chicken nuggets. We want answers. I don't call them that anymore. Saucy nugs. We call them saucy that's nugs. That's right. As we did today. I can witness that that happened that's today. Right. Yes. But you, are you familiar with the video or no? No. It's incredible. It's but they're guy. good. Yeah. That this, was th- great, so this yeah. guy goes into like a city hall, a city council meeting. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. And, and then somebody laughs and he goes, excuse me. Like, I'm trying to read. Was it a troll or was he on the spectrum? He's trolling. Okay, he's trolling. Got, okay, his got, dad, okay. his dad was on the council. Oh, got it, got it, okay, and then got he's it. like, "Just for the record, that's my son." Yeah, Everyone yeah. laughed. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, 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 the outrage is funny, but he makes a good point. Yeah, they're just chicken tenders. Yes. Oh, I'd vote it's for him. No, thing. no, no. Wait, I, I, no, they're not tenders. Tenders are elongate mm-hmm. and they're sure. finger shaped. Yeah, that's true. You can saucy they're, nugs. They're nugs, but they're not tenders. <laughs> they're not tenders. I like how he's like, we can call them saucy nugs or trash. <laughs> No, I like them. They're trash. delicious. I, they're I know. I, I I prefer saucy nugs yeah. over uh, wings. Yeah. That's just me. I don't like wings because they gristle. Right. Exactly. And you got to like navigate how yeah. to eat it. Now, yeah. like, give me that chunk of meat, and I'll just mm-hmm. pop it in my this mouth. Is, I Good. thought you liked the. I thought you weren't an elitist, Tim. I am not an elitist. <laughs> well, if you if, if, if you prefer the nuggets to the wings, you're clearly an elitist. Look at this guy. What's he Aww. doing? What a good boy. Best member of the cast. Yep. Hey, buddy. Come He's here. just trying to pressure us. <laughs> Dan Nordoff says, "Just added myself as a Trump supporter today on Facebook." I'm probably going to lose some friends. No, you're not. You're not losing any friends. You're losing people who know you. They're not real friends. People who you knew. I'm just sick of hearing the lies on the left constantly repeated. Thanks, Tim, for all that you do from the lone wolf in Canada. Oh, he's a Trump supporter. Stay in your (laughs) asshole country. (laughs) Canada's not real. How are you a Trump supporter? You're you're, you're from a garbage place. Garbage place. (laughs) Canada. Did, did you know that most Canadians live within like 90 miles of the U.S. It's like border? Thir- it's, yeah, it, and their population is like 30 million. 37. Yeah, it's crazy. It's yeah, like California. Yeah. So weird. You love this water, buddy. Aww. Let's see. Bassmaster says, you missed the biggest story of the day, Tim, the release of Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remaster. Oh, that was out today? Oh, the snap. Because I've got it. I'll download it right now. Oh, yeah. I got the demo. Tony Hawk's great. Good good game. I like Skater XL. It's, I think Skater XL is more fun as a skateboarding game, but Tony Hawk is an excellent arcade game. We're going over for this? <laughs> yes. For, <laughs> were we, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're just trying to pester Bucko. That's true. We got a lot of super chats though. So. Step on the keyboard. I bring the money. Well, we're not gonna. What is he doing? You, <laughs> oh, what a sweet boy. Aww. He's marking his territory. Oh, he, like, I don't that's bite what he's that. doing. Well, he's being sweet. He's gonna. He's shoving his face into up. the microphone. <laughs> don't walk on my keyboard though. You'll 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 turn the stream off. All right. Let's see. Okay. So we do the. Uh, J Dog says the censoring of Joe Rogan is false. Alex Jones responded. Just go to 2020 Election Center and search Spotify first video. You might need to make a, uh, an update video. Interesting. Well, I didn't think it was was uh, uh, legit that they were censoring Rogan or anything like that. I mean, 
Maybe it came off that way. That's my bad. I basically, you heard the story. Of course, Michaela was on that list, and she was on my show this week, and she's like, why am I on this list? Michaela Peterson. The list of episodes that didn't yeah, make yeah, it to yeah, Spotify. Yeah. So I, think, I think the story's overhyped because Joe's a, a big target. Of course. And they're like, all you hypocrites. Millions of dollars. Yeah, oh, oh, and, that one, too, but they're also calling yeah. him a hypocrite. Like, oh, you don't believe in cancel culture, but you cancel all these people. And he probably didn't do anything. Right, of course. But there was a pattern. Do you know why the episodes were, were not? I do up? not have a reason. And there was very clearly a pattern. But I guess Other this, than Michaela, which was just odd. Yeah. This person saying it's not true. I guess okay. we'll, we'll see. I, I think Michaela got re-added, though. She did immediately. Yeah. Alex publicly came out. Uh, there's a few others who were there, which are just... I think Steve Aoki was one of them, wasn't he? It was something oh, really weird. weird. It was yeah. very weird, yeah. I could be... Chris Delia, I know, was one of them. Oh, yeah. There's a reason yeah. for that. Commander232 says, Tim, I really liked your guest tonight. A person who truly knows his history. I myself, as far back as the first grade, preferred history books over a Disney book at the time. Those that forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Ask him about black Americans in the revolution. I don't know. You know, oh, okay. Right, well, there you go. <laughs> I, I only go like modern. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Well, I'll look up. I'll, I'll look into that. I've been doing actually for the last uh, year and a half, a deep dive in the Harlem Renaissance, which I know more about than almost anyone knows. Oh, very cool. Yeah. All right. Let's see. So we did read a lot of these and I, I, what I a won't. Great, what a great question. Thank you. Let's see. Let's go for a second. Oh, can I say something about that question? Because it really speaks to something I think is very important, yeah. how the right has failed. The, the idea that black soldiers during the Revolutionary War is something that only black people are interested in is insane. Because this is something that's fascinating to everyone. What was it like to be a black person in New York in 1776? None of us have any idea. Any of us would be fascinated to know that story. Absolutely. Yeah, but absolutely. because so many conservatives have understandably handed over black history and gay history and women's history to elements of the far left, they are left exposed and allow the cathedral to propagate lies wow. about this history yep. because Good they point. are like, well, this isn't my world. It is your world. History belongs to any of us. You can. Be, I'm very inspired by, for example, Zora Neale Hurston, who was one of the Harlem Renaissance writers. She's a black woman from the South. I can still read her biography and be like, this person's a badass, and she challenges my thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and no one would argue otherwise unless you're completely deranged. So this yeah. is a great example of how conservatives are losing, because conservatives at its best is studying lessons of history and applying it today, and there's huge swaths where they're like, well, this is just lefty craft trap. No. Yeah. I don't like that. Well, Dustin Weiser. Dustin Weiser says, North Korea's response to, Bi to a Biden victory versus Trump's victory. Oof. Okay, I'm the North Korea guy. So this is hard to suss out. Uh, I think North Korea would see Biden as possibly very, very weak. Uh, they called him, you know, all sorts of names. At the other hand, they also had uh, called for death penalty for Donald Trump at a, a certain point. Um, they would push back against Biden. On the other hand, he voted for the war. Um, and it, I, my contacts have told me that basically the State Department vis-a-vis -vis North Korea, their strategy going forward, at least in the near future, is to pretend North Korea doesn't exist. That's, that, yeah. and, and that's extremely disappointing. One of the things I talk about in Dear Reader, what I talk about constantly, why I'm wearing this shirt, everyone in North Korea, when they leave their house, 25 million, 30 million people, have to wear a lapel pin over their heart with the leaders at all times. Wow. So this, that's the level of, there's so many layers to the oppression in that country, so this is kind of my thing to, for sure. So a little bit of solidarity for these poor, poor people. So I, I'm very, I mean, I hope desperately that if Trump is reelected, he makes it as much a priority as he did in his first term. It, his first meeting was with Xi Jinping at Mar-a-Lago talking about North Korea. Yeah. And that gave me so much hope because during the Obama years, they didn't do anything. I, and uh, I can't really blame Obama because it's such a complicated issue. I thought Trump crossing uh, the DMZ into North Korea was, was incredible. Yes, it was very, very incredible. If you all, all want to cry... 
there's many North Korean, Korean, excuse me, Korean families that have been separated for decades because mm-hmm. of the Korean War. And there's videos where the, the evil North Korean government lets them see their family members once in a while and they meet for a day. Yeah. The North Koreans have a minder and they separate out. You watch these videos, brothers who haven't seen each other for 40 years, you are going to start crying hysterically. It's, it's the most touching humanity you can imagine. Yeah, man. Trump uh, walked into North Korea with no security. Yeah. They could have. So did I, though, to be fair. Did you? Well, you're not the president of the United States. <laughs> uh, <Well>, neither are you. <laughs> definitely not. And, I, and I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be worried about crossing over there. But for Trump to do that, to me, was very uh, symbolic and, and important. Oh, yes, of course it was, yeah. But and they, I the wish- media attacked him for it. The, was, 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 these people are so sick. It really gets me angry. When they made that video for Kim Jong-un, about being like, look how great. You can be the one who frees your people. And they're laughing because they're like, this is like a sales ad. I'm like, yeah, you're selling some with nuclear weapons and concentration camps to try to do the right thing. That's what diplomacy means. Of yep. course it's going to be cheesy and corny. Who are you talking to? And so they, they, horrible, horrible people. This is what I, 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 when, when Trump tries to avoid conflict with, say, Russia or China, and they mock him for it. I know. I'm like, do you want nuclear war? The, the, the president's not going to be like, F that guy, F this guy. He's going to try and keep things calmed down. For eight years, we were told that George W. Bush is the worst president ever because he doesn't know how to do diplomacy. He's just a cowboy firing you know, armies and missiles. And then you have a president who's trying to do diplomacy. Like, what an idiot, blah, blah, blah. It's, you people are... are the, the level of contempt I have for these people cannot be overstated. <laughs> and with yeah, good reason, because yep. we're talking about millions of people who are slaves. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's see... Uh, 117BTN says, re Mr. Malice's idea on employment. I note Elon Musk stated at a recent Neuralink presentation was actually a recruitment drive. No degree needed, just engineers and programmers to learn yeah. on the job. Okay, everyone's saying buck up for president. He's under the table now and he's poking me with his foot. <laughs> he's like, he's hit, he's, he's, you, know, you know how the cat yeah, yeah, thing yeah, where they go like that? You. Yeah, he's that's tapping so cute. Me, and he's yelling down there. Because we're, 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 we're 13 minutes over, okay. so he knows. He's okay, like, yeah. what is this? Why do I have to wait for you? Yeah. Spaceman Chris says, I've always wondered what would happen if I asked Hispanic demos, why don't Mexicos stay in Mexico and fix Mexico? They got great culture and art, but I never go over there, even though I look, uh, I look like them for fear of my son getting kidnapped by cartel. Oh, yikes. There's, I mean, there's, there, there's crazy stories about that stuff. Oh, of course, it's no joke. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When uh, uh, Anonymous challenged them. And then do you know what happened? No. A couple people weren't, you know, the guy Fox mask? Yeah, of course. Yeah. A couple people, I, I, I may be misremembering this. It's been a long time, so you can look this up. But apparently, an, like Anonymous was like, we're going to challenge you. And then some corpses were hanging from a highway sign with the masks on or whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, they don't, they don't mess around. These no, people, no, no, they want you to know that they're in charge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. Oof. All right, let's see. Connor says, point of personal privilege. Please don't clap. It hurts my ears and I can't reach the volume button in position I am sitting right now. But I'm so excited what Michael's is on today. Is this the opposite of Jeb Bush? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> please yeah, don't yeah. clap. Jeb, <laughs> please don't clap. Jeb followed me on my birthday. You know, I woke up at like 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. to go to the bathroom because I'm a senior citizen. And I, I checked Twitter quickly. <laughs> and in the verified tab, it says, Jeb Bush followed you. And I'm like, I, and I'm sleepy enough. I'm like, what? And I looked and it was really him. And I DM'd with him a little bit. And it was like oh, a wow. very, very surreal moment. And I asked him on the show. He didn't want to do it, but I don't ah, blame him. Oh, man. All right. So I think we've about exhausted our time. So uh, do you want to mention your socials one more time? Just whatever sure. you want to mention. Uh, Twitter.com slash Michael Malice and uh, malice.locals.com. I've got a nice little sleeper cell going where very cool. you don't have to worry about oh, your don't. Facebook friends. What, what's that? I was like, be careful about those jokes. 
Yeah, jokes. <laughs> <laughs> How could I be talking about sleeper cells? Look at my hat. I'm clearly <laughs> yeah, silly and yeah. not a threat to anyone. Clearly insane. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not real. Yeah. So if you go to malice.locals.com, we've got a great community, and this it's a, it's free to join. People have to chip in to uh, contribute and, and uh, comment. Yeah. So, and uh, Instagram is Michael Malice and YouTube.com slash Michael Malice official. Right on. My only question for everybody is why have you not smashed that like button? What a Give, great you have, it has to be a smash. You can't yeah, press like, it. Yeah, like, no, it, it really does help. Uh, He's it, right. You know, it, it does. It does. I'm not joking. You're yeah, absolutely right. Big, yeah. Big and, uh, but thank you everybody for the super chats. You know, uh, we try to get to as many as possible. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and parlor at Timcast. It's right there above me. And you can check out my other YouTube channels for, for more content. There's nothing above Michael. Yeah, why just is to, there not one for me, Lee? We, got we'll a hat. It's you've, got, yeah, you've got the hat. The hat's oh, that's good enough. <laughs> the hat comes off. So, uh, but you can check out youtube.com slash timcastnews and youtube.com slash timcast for more content. You can also follow at Sour Patch Lids. That's Sour Patch L Y D S. We will be back Monday, but we'll have clips up throughout tomorrow from the show today and then Monday live at 8 p.m. So uh, for everyone else, again, smash that like button, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and we will see you all Monday. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.